Hey everyone, Editor Dan here. Just wanted to give a quick content warning before we get into this episode. Um, recommend checking it out in the description, but in case you didn't uh, see it before you started, we do have a lot of discussion on rape and sexual assault towards minors in this episode, along with other content warnings such as homophobia, sexism, among many others. So I just wanted to make sure everyone was going into this informed, and with that, on to the episode. Hello and welcome to Under the Kotatsu. I'm your host, Austin, joined by Danielle. Hey, nerds. And Danny. Hello. Uh, and we are back to talk about more Penguin Drum. Uh, but before that, uh, what is everybody drinking to stay awake right now? Uh, go to you, Danny. Oh, well, so <laughs> I just woke up um, from a, a quick little cat nap. I almost laid down on a, a cat I'm fostering, actually. She uh, has a habit of, like, burrowing under the covers. So I have to, like, rip off oh. the blankets but to make sure that I'm not going to just, like, fall on her. So... I don't, I didn't have any milk. My power went out for, um, like four days. So I lost all my milk and, and, you know, the perishables. So I, I couldn't make coffee because I, I do like milk with my coffee. Uh, so I'm doing the next best thing, which is a can of a Mai Tai. Okay. That's, that's a, solid. Yeah. It's uh, a nice little tiki drink by Cutwater. And I know Mai Tai is not, but I wish it was, uh, carbonated just because I feel like a, like, a really sugary thing like this if it's not like real fruit juices should have like some sparkles to it to make it like almost like a soda um because it's the only real time i drink a soda is if i'm drinking um alcoholic so but yeah well, it's in a can so you know mm. it, it yeah, should exactly. just be carbonated that's just how that's supposed to work if it's if it's um, not carbonated it should be in a capri sun packet <laughs> or carbonated capri sun oh chew on <laughs> chew on that the rest of the day uh danielle <laughs> what are you drinking um, I'm drinking a hot black tea and a, uh, glass of water I mix one of those electrolyte packets into because I am fucking hungover. Hell <laughs> yeah. Can you share how you, how you brewed your tea? Because you mentioned it, and I'm like, aha, this ties into the anime. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't realize before I started making it that I made black tea and a french press just like one of the episodes that comes up. Mm. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Probably not the tea, but we'll talk about the episode. <laughs> um, no, nah, we're just gonna skip her out, skip a few this time, mix it up a bit. Hell yeah! <laughs> uh, I'm on, I think, cup number three of coffee. Still not fully awake. Very tired. I don't know why. I guess I slept on my couch, which is not a comfortable <laughs> way to sleep. But <laughs> here I am. All right. Well, let's just get into it because we've got some some. I don't want to say meaty, but we've <laughs> we've got some dense episodes to talk through as. The show has proven to us, uh, so let's just get started. Um, we watched episodes uh, 13 through 8. Uh, nope, 13 through 18. I was going <laughs> to say, not go oh. backwards. <laughs> Is this Samari's uh, uh, heart rate? We watched the uh, third quarter of this show, the show, the third batch of six episodes uh and episode 13 is called crime and punishment for you and me um and again apologies if these episode descriptions are a little bit long the show is just like that sanatoshi uh proclaiming himself to be himari's new doctor offers to save save himari with a special pink medicine however he only gives it to her on the condition that kamba pays for it with a steep price 
Converse offered to pay with money, but Sanatoshi explains the price is going to be much higher than that. Uh, in a series of flashbacks, we see the night that Kamba and Shoma find out that their parents were involved in the subway attacks. The three Takakura kids are taken to a hotel by the police while they investigate the Takakura family home for clues to the parents' whereabouts. Kamba receives a call from his uncle asking them to turn on their hotel TV to see their family house on the news. This is when the two boys realize what's going on and what their parents are responsible for. Inside the giant strange library from episode 9, Sanatoshi appears to be conversing with a young pink-haired girl. Uh, he talks about being rejected by someone else who could see the world the same as him. It's all really vague, but the important part is the pink-haired girl having a similar interaction with Sanatoshi to what happened to Himari in episode 9, and that Sanatoshi exposes that he's interested in determining if the concept of fate really exists and if it governs the universe. We also see Natsume speak to Sanatoshi over the phone, where it's implied that he helped her save Mario, similar to how he helped Kamba save Himari. He also tells her uh, that he knows who, ha who has the other half of Momoka's diary. Ringo has a very open conversation with Tabaki about the Takakura's parents, where the two of them reflect on how they don't feel vengeful towards their parents, mostly just sad uh, for what they've all gone through. Uh, Ringo also finally seems uh, to, have finally made, to have finally given up on replacing Momoka and is beginning to move on in a way. The episode ends with one last flashback of the Takakuras in the hotel room showing Kanba unable to uh, accept what the news is saying about their parents and their involvement in the attack. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for the show and for everybody here. Um, are, is the show interested in, in why the attacks happened? Because I sure am, and uh, spoilers for six more episodes from now <laughs> it, it it goes completely unremarked upon are we just meant to you know take the like we talked about last time like the real life um inspiration and we're just supposed to graft a lot of that onto this because like i'm deeply curious like what motivated the attacks and like why their parents are wrapped up in this organization and what this organization stands for and all these kinds of things and it's just like not really a concern uh, or at least it's, like, taken for granted that, like, they're a bad organization and what they did was bad and caused a lot of people harm and, and a decade worth of trauma afterwards, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, what's y'all's take on This is going off take of on old memories, but I do think it, it goes a bit more into the organization later, I think. Or maybe it's just the it goes into certain characters' involvement with it. I don't remember very firmly. Uh, see, that's the thing. I'm very interested because I feel like, you know, I guess maybe... The, There's still a lot little... of plot details details to be revealed on the past few up in the last few episodes is right and, if and that's, that's what almost, you're wondering almost my concern is that it feels like there's a lot of questions i feel like we've said this last episode and the episode before that of like oh we're only a quarter halfway whatever through the show uh you know slow burn or whatever but i feel like after a certain point you're gonna get to a point where you've set up so much stuff that you just have to like smush it all into one little package and like, with the amount of threads going on right now, I wonder if any slash all of them can get, like, a satisfying conclusion without just, like, making each one its own episode and, like, not really, like, kind of maybe putting them together at the end. Because, yeah, no, it's, like, I thought they were gonna, um, I thought in, you know, jumping ahead a few episodes, uh, that in the tower scene, they were going to have the father show up and it's like aha finally we can get some answers and it would have been a nice little cliffhanger for us uh nope <laughs> just nope and it's mostly just like i'm i'm okay that we don't have all the answers yet i, I kind of just wish like the characters would talk through these things to some extent even if it's just some character going hey i i wonder 
what's the deal with this thing or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. It's just like mm-hmm. the, the show takes it for granted that like, I understand it's going to pay that off eventually, but it doesn't like, it's not really, I don't know. I guess like the show is just like interested in, in doing different things. And I'm just like tightly focused on like the core dynamic of the Takakuras. And it's just like, we'll get to this in later episodes, but the way the show prioritizes all of the other characters in the show's like backstories and stuff over the Takakuras and what's going on with them is like really frustrating to me at this point. I'm just like, uh-huh. I had that I feeling that last batch more explored. Yeah. I mean, like I, like I was like, with the last batch, I was like, I'm interested in these things, but I understand like the show needs more time. But after watching these six episodes where it just goes completely unexamined, I'm like, come on, like <laughs> stop wasting my time. And it and it doesn't we'll, we'll talk about it with the other episodes, but it doesn't help that I didn't much like what was going on in the other episodes. If I liked that stuff more, maybe I'd be okay with them tabling um the stuff with the Takakura's parents a bit, but reading this episode description back was a lot like uh oh right yeah they really like this episode <laughs> batch started off with all this stuff and then went nowhere with it that's cool well and that's the thing like they they've set up through mostly through like background stuff like the so in the flashback they show the parents saying like let's or the father saying like let's uh commence the survival strategy and they're working in like a factory or company or whatever that has like the penguin logo so you're, and that penguin logo is seen everywhere as if it's like this monolithic company that everyone just kind of accepts it as like a thing, which uh, I have a thing about that later too. But it almost feels like the answer is going to end up being something like Nerve, where they're like secretly trying to bring about the end times or like the final impact or something, or like this is the way we're going to save the earth and it's going to cause untold tragedy, but it for, it's for the greater good. But really, I just want well, to see mean, my I think, dead wife. Like- Later in the episodes, it becomes pretty clear that they're messing around with the uh, timelines and fate in the same way that Momoka is. Well, and that's what... Okay, I was going to save it for later, but really there's no good time to bring it up other than the beginning or the end of this episode. Of I was getting a little confused. I don't even know if I was frustrated, because I don't think I'm like angry about it. I'm just a little confused as, an, as, a, as a watcher. Like, it's not like magic is seen as normal in this world. And it's not like the characters so far have made it seem like, oh, there's like a secret magical society a la uh, Harry Potter or something like that. It's just like this one person happened to have a magical diary. And it's like, what? And then there's this Bishonen who lives in a library. And it's all very confusing as to, are these all related? I honestly don't know. And it's not set up in a way that the show seems interested in telling me. I feel like it's just going to like pop up at some point. Like, oh yeah, the Vishonen was created by the Penguin Corporation or something like that. Or I don't know, whatever the result's going to mm-hmm. be. So it seems like it's like they're trying to incorporate that because it's, it's very much like these, I think these six episodes especially are incredibly Momoka related. Like she is like the focal point of all of the You strife. might even say she is episode 15, savior of the world. Oh my god. <laughs> I accidentally picked two shows in a row that have a small pink-haired anime girl as Jesus. It was not <laughs> intentional. Oh, no. Who will be the dark-haired devil girl uh, who ruins the series <laughs> in movie three? But um, the um, I got a lot of vibes of a manga that I've read called Nijigahara um, Holograph, which is also about like you know a lot of like time-jumping, all kind of focused around 
one girl who has like in that she's not like magical she's just like a really good kid and everyone kind of like obsesses over her kind of thing and everyone like so it's like she's the focus but that in that it's a lot more clear that that's what's going on whereas this they set up so many like plot threads before and now they're saying like oh yeah all of this is uh all related to momoka in specific like everyone's strife um, which we were talking about, like, how this show looks at, like, national tragedy and generational trauma. And, like, I guess that's technically true, but I also feel like it's less, like, it's not, like, examining how people deal with trauma. It's, like, justifying every, like, everyone in this is being justified in some way, I think, I feel. Like, it's not like, oh, man, all of these people are trying to change fate because they can't accept, like, what trauma has happened. Like, isn't that, like, a sad situation? It's like, oh, here's um, uh, Kamba and Shoma. They want to save their sister, so that's justifiable. Uh, Ringo wants to save, or like, you know, fix her family, so that's justifiable. Um, Yuri wants to save Momoka. Other girl, ha- Hasako? Hase... Masako? Masako, yeah. Uh, wants to... <laughs> the, one who wants to sa- the one who wants to save Mario. The one who um, has crush him soon. Natsume, Masako. Yes. Okay, there we go. Like, so, like, they're trying to justify everyone, and it's like, I feel like that's the least interesting thing you could do. I feel like the much better thing would would be to, like, have, uh, to, like, kind of examine how these people are basically not letting go of their their trauma, or dealing with their I, trauma. And I made a point in my notes saying, like... I don't like, think the show's, like, justifying them. It's showing, like, why they think those things, but I don't think the show's, like, giving a value judgment on it. Well, I don't know, because I, I feel like no one... I mean, they've had, like, one-off lines of saying, like, oh, you really are just trying to, like, make a happy family or whatever, but, like, the show doesn't feel like it's coming down as, like, yeah, you're right, like, they should just accept that their their sister's going to pass away, and, like, that's, like, the kind of the, the, the breaks of it. And I made a note saying, like, oh, man, you know what? The only person who's handling this well is Tabaki. And then... That was a fucking lie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, yeah, we'll fucking get to it. Yeah. Um. So it's just, like, it's not, like... I think in last episode I said it's oh it's really about like how people deal with trauma but it's like it's not really about that because they're not like examining how they could be acting better it's just like oh yeah now they have to everyone ever it's like um a MacGuffin. I, I still they do all think the, the show is is examining how they're dealing with the trauma I just don't think it's I'll admit the show's not being super clear about it but I still think that's what the show's trying to do I think it's it's definitely like examining like you know like we'll talk about these things in specific, but the stuff with Yuri, the stuff with Tabaki, the stuff with Tatsume, like, it's all, like, you know, dealing with past trauma, but I think the problem for me is, like, I do not, like, care about these people getting over their trauma or healing in any way, because I don't like any of those characters. I just want them to stop being shitty people to the characters I do care about, and the show isn't, like, drawing those lines in a way where it's, like, oh yeah, no, Yuri and Tabaki are being horrible people, like, it doesn't matter what their trauma is or their justification for it, like, they need to, like, fucking stop, like, all the adults in the show suck shit. Um, <laughs> and I don't think, like, that, like you're saying, Danny, the show so far isn't about, like, how Yuri, like, can get over her trauma in, like, a positive way. It's, like, it's looking at how she currently is going about getting mm-hmm. over her trauma, but it's not, like, and here's the path forward, like, that doesn't involve you, like, spoilers and content warning uh raping a child um you know like 
I would be much more interested in that version of the show where it's like, here's the backstory, Yuri, here's why she's a fucked up person, and like, here's how we're gonna like, you know, how here's how we're gonna like get her to a better place, you know, with herself. Where it's like the show just isn't concerned with that. It's it's interested in doing the uh showing a character doing a fucked up thing, showing the backstory for why they're so fucked up, and then just continuing on with them doing like the fucked up thing. Like I'm sure in the last six episodes we'll get a hair merely hail mary pass uh for all these characters to get their redemption or whatever the fuck but it's like it's going to be so unearned at this point because i just despise all these people i don't want like yuri to like be a better person i just want her like out of the path of the like at this point very few characters i care about um but that's kind of that's my rant (laughs) it's it's interesting that um you know they introduce like the oh this can change fate and i guess technically the only person who like explicitly knows that is is Yuri maybe? Um, I don't know if it's clear who knows what. That's, who knows, I mean, yeah, that's another issue um, that I've had. But um, they're not like uh, conflicting goals, and you know, obviously, you know, I'm not saying that these people who start antagonistic they should all sit down and talk about their problems because that's how it works in real life. That's obviously not true. Um, but it's just very funny to for them to be like, well, why can't they just fucking share? Like, why can't one person be like, okay, I'm gonna go revive. Momoka, that'll help all three of us. I'm gonna go help my sister. That'll help. I guess they're like they think that um, uh, they all need the penguin drum exclusively. If this is even the penguin drum, because again, they do address it in this batch. And then um, Himari, as the princess, just goes like, I don't know, not telling you. Um, so it's all it's just very confused. Again, just setting up a lot, uh, and I don't know how it can resolve neatly or not even like neatly but just like satisfy satisfactorily yeah yeah it's got a lot of work to do in in six episodes to like you know i i think a lot i thought a lot about um while watching these episodes the last arc of monica and how it did a lot to like you know i th- i still have problems with some of those earlier episodes but like did a lot to save the show for me because i loved the the strength and the emotional core to that ending but with this being like 24 episodes long <laughs> and all the stuff going on like monica's a fairly simple show by comparison like Mm. the show really has a lot of work to do if it's gonna like make me rebound like it did um off of monica anyway i feel like we've we've gotten a little bit off this episode since there's not too much to say about this one in particular i don't feel like it's i don't know um reread the plot summary so we can get back into it oh my god (laughs) (laughs) um i will say the uh yeah because this is the episode where um I don't think they outright say it, but at this point it's made mostly clear that it's Yuri that has the other half of the diary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Sanatoshi specifically says who it is, um, but I think he says, that there's there's something to the point of he says, like, oh, that woman has it, and there's, like, literally, like, no one else he could be talking about, since we know Natsume doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but there's a line where, or, or in the scene where he's on the phone with Natsume, um, they cut from him saying, uh, I know who has the other half of the diary to the scene with Tabuki and Ringo, and it's that scene starts with Ringo like shouting Tabuki, and I'm like, is that is that this the show's like funny way of being like it's Tabuki? Tabuki has the diary because I totally would have believed that too, mm-hmm. but I was I was sad that my prediction wasn't correct. I was like, aha! Uh, <laughs> I know authors who use subtext. <laughs> yeah, and then I liked this conversation at the time. I don't appreciate it now after the big reveal that Tabaki's an evil monster a few episodes from now but 
Um, I liked the conversation that he has with Ringo where it's like, yeah, you can't really, you know, put the blame on what their parents did. And anyway, it's like in the past, you can't change it. Like, you know, we can only move forward kind of conversation. I'm like, you know, oh, I love this. Like, it's like Ringo really like learning and like, it's probably the first like earnest conversation she's had with Tabuki in the show. Like, if not her trying to like win him over or like, you know, become his wife or any of that stuff it's just like an honest to god conversation with two people talking about their like complicated feelings um, and i do you think that conversation even like helps um ringo like sort out her own feelings in a positive way yeah it just I, sucks yeah. that it gets ruined later the, the one through line i have through all these episodes is i still like or i have still grown to like ringo as a character like the work they did in the last couple episodes we watched um last time to like bring me around on her like all that stuff is still working for me i'm still here for her i really like the moment at the end of this batch which we'll talk about but like yeah, that that moment in this episode uh definitely stood out to me yeah i will say i so i'm gonna say something positive um but dear dear listener i'd like you to know or preface this in your head that this all comes with the statement that probably over half of her episodes i think could have been cut down i i absolutely do not think that she had a good, like, beginning of her arc in a way that ruins the first half of the show for me. However, uh, Ringo from, like, here on, one of my favorite characters in the show now. <laughs> Same. One Partially because they just, like, make her different. Like, I mean, like, there's, you know, I, I think... That there's, like, substantial character growth in a positive direction for her. Yeah, and it is kind of sudden, but, like, in a way that, like... I mean, she went through, like, a sudden, you know, tra traumatic event, you know, so, like, yeah, she's gonna, like, change her perspective or whatever, and blah, 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 but, yeah, no, Ringo now versus the, the, I mean, she's still kind of a punching bag, but at this point, she's, like, a punching bag that you don't want to get punched anymore. It's not, like, for laughs, it's not for gags, she's not making frogs uh, shit out eggs onto someone's back, she's not trying to rape someone, um... She's not trying to be raped as a karmic retribution for her trying to rape someone else, or the same person, the, the rape reversal uh, that happened in the other episode. Um, so yeah, I, I liked her, her scenes in this. I don't remember, okay, it's in the next episode, the Shoma Ringo scene. I thought that was really good. So good for her for making amends, like coming to terms with her loss. Now Ringo's the one dealing with her trauma uh, healthily, to some extent. Exactly. She is, at this point in the show, she is, like, the most normal person in the show in a way that it's just like, <laughs> look at her, can't you all just be like her? <laughs> Come on, it's not that hard. Um, she's, she's joining the club with Hamari of, like, precious people who need to be protected from all the yeah, everybody. I mean, show. I have a note somewhere uh, uh, in this batch that's like, um, uh, everybody except for Ringo, Hamari, and maybe Shoma uh, can just get fucked. I don't. I don't care if they get a happy mm -hmm. ending. But Ringo and Hamari deserve happy ending. Yeah. Um. And yeah, there were like interesting things in like in this episode that I was like, wow, like this actually is reasonably true to life. I think. Um. Especially the. This is from Shoma, saying, um, Hamari is dying as divine punishment to us. I, I'm not an expert, but I feel like that's like a common thing amongst family members or people who are suffering from a terminal illness they you know they blame themselves they say this is like i must have done something wrong to deserve this and, and so on and so forth i was like oh hey an actual human feeling to like connect with and not you know 
Penguin Drum bullshit. It's like a character. Wow. Like, good job, Shoma, in that case. But yeah. Oh, we get we go back to the weird-ass library in this episode, which was very weird considering last time we saw it, it was like a dream landscape. And now, now that Satoshi is in the real world interacting with real people, it's very strange to see him back in that hellscape or library, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait yeah. a minute, this was like a dream. I think it was pretty clearly like a flashback for him. But a flashback to where? Like, what is this facility? If you're going to show it once in, like, a a dream fugue state with, like, Himari, where it's like, aha, like, that's, you know, like, where they met, and, like, then she goes, like, she's falling down towards the aquarium to her fate, like, meeting, the des- meeting at the destination of fate or whatever. That's one thing. But for them, like, to show him again, you know, in a flashback, but then it's like, oh, now he's just in the real world. It's like, what What was that then? What, is this, is yeah. that a real place that he was living? <laughs> and now he's here? I was thinking about this earlier uh, when you said something of how I think the show, and I say problem, but I feel like it, it, you know, this might work better for some people than it does for me. But this, the show's a problem for me of like poorly defined like metaphysics. Uh, like I, I don't like they go to all these weirdly out of world, uh, like otherworldly places. Like when they're on the train and there's like weird stuff going on in the background, or like the the space they're in when Himari does her transformation sequence or the weird library or the child broiler, which we'll get to put a pin mm. in that. Uh, I have no idea like, like what the relationship between these spaces are, like how they exist, what, like what engine generates them, uh, like, you know, narrative engine generates them. They're just places that exist for people to do like s- say a bunch of bullshit that I'm not supposed to understand until like two episodes from now. And it's like, fine to do that when you're starting out but like again like these six episodes kind of broke me i'm just like okay i get it just like do something more real or like like tell me how these things work like don't just say here's the child broiler like you know i mean i get what they're going for with the child broiler but it's like you know just another thing to add to the list whereas like you brought up evangelion and like evangelion is the show we talked about before of having like a lot of like proper noun bullshit but at least it's like the <laughs> the trouble with evangelion is like it all makes sense like you can you can mm-hmm. put all those dots together if you really want to this is a show that you from what has been presented so far you can't like there's too many gaps and like you can't connect all the dots together um and i find that a little bit frustrating with like as you're saying like they're reusing these spaces like the library isn't just this like one-off location we go to to have this moment where we kind of explain how Himari like comes back to life in the first episode and do a bit of backstory for her and introduce Sanatoshi. It's like this place that has some greater meaning that I guess maybe if I were rewatching the show, I would see all these scenes and then go, aha, I, I get this now, but it's like, it's, it's a little bit frustrating to watch. That's like a first time viewer, if that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely getting like, I feel a different experience on this rewatch versus my first time through, I think. But here's my question then. Did you, enjoy that stuff the first time or is it like are you enjoying it more this like how does that relationship i I still enjoyed it the first time okay i'm just curious like how that how that goes for you um anyway i think i think that's enough on 13 like i said it's there's not a lot of plot that happens and we can always double back all my notes are kind of like inconsequential like just little things i thought interesting like oh when the police were searching the residence they uh they took off their shoes didn't know the police did that but they have like a little shot showing that i don't know if that's actually how they do it in real life but okay mm-hmm. um and then when <laughs> so so uh satoshi walks into himari's room uh with you know his his pink and white hair 
with two themed sidekicks. And Combo looks at him and goes, you're a doctor, aren't you? And it's like, mm, really? You, uh, you're not going to examine that one any further? Um, I mean, he's got, a, he's got like a long white coat on. That's, that's a signifier of a doctor to me. There you go. Who cares if and he's, then, got, he's flanked by two demonic bunny boys? <laughs> and then one question I actually had, um, and it's just like a, a, a translation thing. Um, so the subs were f- are with whenever, what's her name? The Mario girl. Natsume? Masako. Masako. Yeah, I don't know why it's just not sticking in my head. Um, she says, I must crush it, or I must crush him, or I must crush her. I assume with her, like, that's one thing. Is the it and him, like, are they different? I couldn't catch it in the audio, what she said. Like, that's not a sub mistake. She really is just saying, oh, I need to crush it or him, right? I assume so. I wasn't. Okay. Okay. Keep keeping on track of that. Japanese that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't know for sure. I was. I was like hoping I could hear her say like "kare" or something, and I was like, "Oh, like that's you know whatever." But um, that's not the word she used. So uh, that's also something that I'm. I'm still kind of fed up with the fact that she's still all she fucking says is "I must crush him," "I must crush it," "I must cuss her," um, and it's like, okay, get it. Gotta crush him. Why? Well we, we'll, well, we get the reason why she has that that tick, but it's not a good reason. It's not an interesting reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, At the time, I was anyway. like, "Why?" And then later, I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, that's why." Nah. Uh, but, but as as with many things, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> lot lot to dig in. So let's uh let's move on to episode fourteen, which is called "The Princess of Lies." <sighs> Yuri is having an affair with one of the other actors in her theater group, uh, though she grows bored with uh, her and leaves their hotel room in the middle of the night while thinking to herself about the one person she only really loved. Uh, Ringo tries to meet up with Shoma before, uh, uh, or tries to meet up with Shoma on their way to school, but Shoma completely rejects her, saying things about how he can never make it up to her, referring to his parents' involvement with Momoka's death. Uh, and that she should just leave him alone. Uh, Kamba attempts to pay Sanatoshi for another ample of the medicine for Hamari, but Sanatoshi asks for even more money this time, leaving Kamba to go back out and get more. Uh, in the hospital room, uh, Himari knits scarves for Hikari and Hibami, but decides to throw them away. Sanatoshi, seeing them in the trash, decides to take them for himself. Upset after her off encounter with Shoma, Ringo runs into Yuri, who, uh, who has her car... Who, has her get into her car with her and takes her out for an evening at a hot spring. While the two relax in the hot springs, play ping pong, and have dinner, uh, they talk about Momoka. Ringo opens up to her like she did with Tabaki about wanting to become Momoka, while Yuri talks about how much Momoka meant to her. Ringo collapses after being drugged by Yuri over dinner, who takes her into her room, disrobes her, and pulls out a coil of rope to presumably tie her up with. Uh, Yuri pulls out from behind her robe the other half of the diary, and a brief flashback shows us uh, that it was her who was on the motorcycle that night. The episode ends with Yuri having disrobed, leaning in to kiss an unconscious Ringo. (laughs) Last sentence is just poor Ringo. Um, I have some things to say. Jesus Christ, Yuri, the episode. Um... So I think it's incredibly fucked up that the one gay character in this show um, gets to uh, rape a child uh, and also has some weird coding around how it uses like bondage aesthetic as like a like mode of like torture and abuse and not just a thing people people can consent to and be into mm-hmm. like all the stuff around Yuri in this and this in the next episode is just real gross to me and it's like. 
depiction of these things. It's like, I can, in hindsight, I can forgive all of the sh shit they do with the attempted uh, rape between um, Ringo and Tapaki earlier in the show. Uh, because in comparison, this shit is just so much worse. The mm -hmm. thing that makes like, so I, I've, I have two things about this. I've been thinking about this like the last four days since I watched this episode. Two main things, which is one, the tone of the show really betrays it in moments like this, where it is like a gravely serious thing that's happening, but there's so many wacky bullshit around the sides of it that I'm like, the show isn't giving the gravity to the situation that it deserves. And also it's like weirdly leering and stuff like that for like a rape scene that it's just like, come on, if you want to go this direction with like a character, like think through it more than they clearly did. And then the other thing is the scene with Ringo and Tabaki is like, it's important to recognize that it's like uh, Ringo acting upon Tabaki in that situation where it's like, you know, it plays a lot different when it is a teenager um, trying to have sex with an adult versus an adult drugging and tying up a child <laughs> like those two scenes mm -hmm. play very differently where i can forgive the tinges of comedy and the weird tone around the ringo and tabaki scene because i know that she's a child she doesn't know what she's doing she's clearly not going to go through with it whereas like the way the scene with uh ringo and yuri is shot is like no yuri is 100 percent going to go through this unless someone stops her and also like that's a child and this is a deeply fucked up thing to do <laughs> like um I, like and the fact that like the tone between those scenes is not that drastically different really bothers me yeah this episode fucking sucks <laughs> yeah, i saw the the ropes and i made a note saying oh god i saw no saw ropes for shibari which is like japanese bondage which tends to be from what i understand more intricate and i wrote that as a joke that was before she was tied up uh, and then it cuts to her being tied up, and I went, oh my fucking god. And then they start doing, uh, throw in a little bit, by the way, to the um, gay character, problematic with a capital P, uh, shit. That they, they have a lot of body dysphoria in it. It's the only character we've had so far that has like severe body dysphoria due to being, you know, abused as a child. But she's talking like her um, partner at the beginning of the episode. Or like the affair person, uh, voiced by mm -hmm. uh, Romy Park. Romy Park, who uh, I popped up for because uh, Romy Park voices Laurent Sehak, who's the uh, main uh, Gundam boy in Turn A Gundam, aka yeah. the best Gundam boy. So yeah, I thought it was I, Naruto. I, that but... stood out to me immediately. I was like, oh my god, that's Romy Park! <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Um, and she's like, I, I, you know, I'm gonna. If you if you leave me, I'm gonna tell everyone your body's secret. And then her at the end was saying like, uh, saying to an unconscious Ringo like, or maybe she was conscious at that point. Who knows? Um, like, oh, Momoka like was the only person who saw me for me and like wasn't disgusted by my body. And I made a note at the very end saying, oh my god, do not do a Gren thing. I cannot handle mm. if this is a Gren thing. <laughs> um, thankfully not. Unthankfully. It's still bad. It's still bad. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The in, the in, like the entire uh, scene of her attempted sexual assault ruins the rest of her character development. Like, yeah. I'll come out and say I do like the next episode in a vacuum, but coming right after this one sort of saps it of like any of like anything good about it. Yeah, especially because we like Ringo's on the up and up. Like she talked to Tapaki and is coming to terms with like, hey, you know what? I was a, you know, such an idiot. I actually do have feelings for Shoma. And then 
she and Shoma have that scene where it's it's incredibly cute that she is trying to act cute based off of advice from like a teen girl magazine and you know Shoma like is basically saying like oh no I'm like not good enough for you I can never do anything for you kind of stuff um and her reaction is not like oh I you know I I should like help Shoma come to like whatever she's like oh my god I'm such an idiot what the fuck was I thinking like coming up by saying oh I you kept me waiting, acting cute for a boy, so on and so forth. It's like, wow, like, she's a character. We did it. It took, you know, 15 episodes, but, or however, but she's a character that I like now. Great. And then, spam, drugged and attempted rape. It's like, man, <laughs> just fucking let me have a character. Oh, yeah, and like, the way they, they build up to it just fucking sucks, because it's like, they're just having like or like for Ringo, she's just having a genuinely nice time. Like she had a bad uh day with Shoma. Like after that scene happened, she literally like breaks down sobbing in the middle of the street. It's heartbreaking. And so for you know, for someone like Yuri in her life to be like, hey, let's just, you know, let's just have a day. Let's just let's play some ping pong. Let's relax in the hot spring. It's like and then for it to slowly turn dark. And like I also have a screenshot of the like um uh, the shot of the rope before it all goes down and instead of being like haha just like bondage i saw that and i was like i think i know what's about to go down and fuck off and then it did and it's like jesus christ um, like one of the, one of the things is like we see ringo who's hated yuri the entire time up to this point like you know trying to like you know actually have a positive relationship with her and then it to for this to fucking happen it's like jesus christ like mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Uh, I get we need Yuri to be, like, a shitty person who's still, dr- like, working through her feelings for Momoka, but not not like this. Not not fucking like this. Yeah, and to be clear, when I said I was writing it as a joke, I didn't mean, like, haha. I meant, like, oh, that's so stupid. There's no way they're gonna actually have Shibari yeah. in the next scene. Uh, and then they did. Um, but no, there's no, like, this is gonna sound like, a, like, like some fucking grand indictment or whatever. Um, in no uncertain terms like a very you know those videos that they they teach you about like stranger danger and they talk about how like oh if someone tries to like even a family friend might offer you candy or try to be your good friend and then you know assault you or or, or whatever it's like shot for shot like that kind of thing of like oh let's just have a girl's day let's reminisce let's get close together blah 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 blah, blah. and then the 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 rape or attempted whatever which all of that is, like, fine in a show. Like, if you want to have that in your show, like, that's a thing you can do. I mean, whatever. And then, cutting ahead a little bit, it's paid off with a, a funny gag where Shoma falls down because of a penguin mm-hmm. drinking soda. And it's like, dude, you can't, like, to have, like, such a, I guess, realistic de- depiction of, like, grooming, you know, over the course of one day, not, like, grooming, grooming, but, like, that kind of thing. And then pay it off with a a shitty gag like fuck off fuck off yeah (laughs) like i'm i'm not saying the show needs to have no levity whatsoever but i think it either needs to reel back the comedy real hard uh if it wants these kinds of moments to feel like earned and impactful or it needs to be like way lighter on these kinds of things like you can still have a story where it's like lighthearted and has a lot of slapstick comedy um while also like you know having characters like deal with complex emotions and um be like 
harmful towards one another without literally having to do like rape and child abuse and uh more child abuse i guess i'm just trying to think of all the other stuff that happens with the other characters it's like yeah it's just a lot of gross shit in in a show that is like uh, i tried to look at other people like talking about the show just to kind of get a feel for it like people do often describe the show as like a comedy or comedic and i'm like yeah the show with like multiple attempted rapes and lots of child abuse like yeah very funny <laughs> like it's it's not it's not that you can't do that it's just so hard to pull off like trying to like having a care an adult character rape a child and also like have some slackstick comedy like you know two scenes later like it or in the same not that scene. it can't be done but yeah and this show just like it, it can't it can't do both um i think it needed to pick one or the other because there are things that you can do that are equally like oh they're trying to do harm to each other um without being like you know rape like the, uh yuri could like try to sacrifice uh ringo or something like that like yeah like I'm gonna misunderstand the whole like the diary as a spell book thing and be like oh if i you know read from the diary and like take her blood or like if you you could do it in a goofy way that still comes across the point of like she can't get over momica but that doesn't end with like rape and luring shots of ringo tied up like come on yeah, the way I was thinking was like, oh yeah, just wear this pink wig and wear these clothes that are so suspiciously similar to Momoko's sure. would have gotten the same thing across. It's still like a fairly creepy manner, but mm-hmm. much less so. Yeah, it would fit the tone a lot, lot better. That's a very interesting point you brought up because, um, you know, so we talk on Discord, obviously, um, and uh, before I had seen it, y'all were talking in a vague way about episode 14, um, but like... Me knowing this show, I'm like, okay, it has to be rape. Um, and it has to be Ringo being raped. Like, it has, like, that's, there's no, no, the show doesn't know anything else. And, but even with that knowledge, with the way Yuri was talking, she was like, oh, I, I knew uh, Momoko really well. And, you know, blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, there's going to be some grand reveal that Yuri is Momoka. You know, and I'm sure the rape will happen later, but like, that's going to be the grand reveal. And it's like, no, it's, it's much worse. <laughs> it's, just her being a creepy fucking adult. And, okay, so this is, I think, my first note of the next episode, or maybe, uh, yeah, one of my, one of my notes in, in the next episode, but it, it still bears asking now, is both in the context of the show, oh, and I guess we kind of we answered outside of the context of the show, like from, like, a, you're, you're, you're Ikuhara, you're writing the story. <laughs> um, you're, you're choosing to put the rape in there. But in the context of the show, why does Yuri rape Ringo? Like, I get that it's like, she can't get over Momoka, this is her way of dealing with that, but we know in later episodes that her whole end goal is to somehow use the diary to, like, resurrect Momoka, like, to change her fate and bring her back to life. So what does, like, like having, <laughs> like, why does uh, raping Ringo have anything to do with that plan other than for it to be, like, an edgy shock out for us, the audience, and also, I guess, to have, like, a bit of a reversal of, like, the Ringo Tabaki scene. The the only thing I can think of is that in the episode she's like, "Oh, you smell like Momoka. Oh, you do the same like you're you're attentive when something interests you and you 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 play with your hair when you're embarrassed." So it's almost like she's like, "Oh, you remind me so much of Momoka. I can't like repress my sexual urges." Though that like obviously is betrayed by the fact that she clearly planned for this. Um so yeah, the answer is because Ikahara wanted to draw another rape scene. And that's that's yeah. that's it. 
on the other other thing that I can think of, which just makes the whole thing worse, is again, I think like the nature of her being the only queer character in this show, or I guess at least so far, but probably the only one, uh, complicates these things. Of like, you know, it's kind of implied at the beginning of this episode when she's, um, you know, having the affair um, with the other actress that like she sleeps around a lot. That she mm-hmm. like, she just does this. She just like, you know, finds a person like ha- you know spends like you know a couple nights with them and then just moves on to the next person and then there's like an implication i guess that it's just like oh she got bored with fucking like an adult woman in her theater troupe i guess i'll spice things up and have sex with the sister of the <laughs> the girl i'm in love with like why not like it's kind of like a like just acting on her uh impulses and again that just all reads like real bad through the lens of this being a, the only queer character in the show um but and- that's just really frustrating and it also ruins like Yuri's character arc throughout the rest of the show. Is oh yeah, the I, made I did episode. not like, like the next episode because of this episode. And I also like I don't know how much I would like it without it, but like it definitely like robs me of ever giving a shit about whether like Yuri ends up working through her shit or whatever. It's like no, she should like just fuck off, <laughs> get out of the story, please. <laughs> well, and uh, I have to just correct you on something there are two queer characters you got to include uh yuri's partner as being in that camp okay um fair enough (laughs) the the the, who is clearly breaking the trend because when yuri says i no longer want to see you they say well if you don't keep seeing me i'm going to expose your great secret whatever that secret is so that's your two two queer characters you have the hypersexual rapist and the blackmailing Mm-hmm. Also, kind of rapist if you if you think about that kind of like yeah. So th- thanks, Ikahara. <laughs> just just great representation. Yeah. Um. One good thing about this episode, it's not okay. really it's not really in the episode. It's it's me finding release. Um. She says she so she dumps her her affair partner in. I can't remember what country they said. I don't think it was France. I think it was somewhere else, but whatever. Istanbul. They're in Istanbul, she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says, I decided to live my life fabulously. And for some reason, that made it click in my head. I was like, wait a minute. What if Fabulous Max is like like Pepsi Max? Like It's like saying like Fabulous to the Max. Like It's like Fabulous colon Max. Like Could that be the secret of Fabulous Max? It's not a person. It's not an anime. It's just maximum amounts of fabulousness it's like fergaliciousness <laughs> i mean i i assume that's that's what it, it was it was like a like a motto of like you know like a like a, a personal ethos i guess like i'm gonna live my life fabulous max yeah real fabulous max energy at the end of this episode <laughs> jesus christ god yeah the only other note i have is that they're they're staying at the ping hyatt hotel <laughs> because it's all penguins so that was cute but yeah God, just thinking like, um, so like, us three in the podcast watch a lot of movies together and, um, just like hang out, and we often get like a lot of um action movies from the eighties, and I'm always the one who's like, God damn, I hate this <laughs> fucking sexual assault happening at all these goddamn movies. I'm so fucking sick of it, and then I pick this show. <laughs> God damn it, me. Yeah, you, you <laughs> God damn it, wish. me. Played myself. Fucking played myself. What's more tasteful, uh, this or Death Wish Three? We'll never know. Well, I do think uh, Jack Cur- or Paul Kersey from uh, from Death Wish Three should just enter the plot of the show. I think he'd fix things. He would get the fucking penguin drum. No, <laughs> no time flat. 
he would have just he would have just shot Tabuki on the rooftop uh, in episode eighteen, <laughs> and then we just would have been done there. We wouldn't have to deal with that shit. <laughs> well, we gotta remember he's racist as shit, and this is the non-white cast. That's true. We <laughs> just shoot everybody. Oh my God. Uh, uh, Anyway, I have one last note, which is just um, this. Uh, watching this episode in particular made me think. It's just like, remember when I wasn't watching a show for this uh, this podcast that didn't have rape in it? It's like, ah, yes, IGPX, better time. <laughs> <laughs> show with no rape in it. Um, all right, well, I think that's that's enough for that one. Um, oh well, one important note: when Sanatoshi uh-huh. wore the pink and blue wet necklace, I made a note saying, "Wow, Sanatoshi trans." Should oh, okay. the, the episode there. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Did they show in this episode that the um the scarves went to double H? It's in a later episode. It's in a later one. I think that's the next episode. Okay. Or the episode after. Like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's the next episode because I forgot to put it in the body of my description, so it's just at the end. I just tacked on a paragraph about it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, episode fifteen is called "Savior of the World." Uh, Conveniently, Shoma happens to be in the room next to Yuri and Ringo after tagging along with a friend who won a prize raffles to stay at the hot springs. After receiving a strange and upsetting call from Ringo, he deduces that she's in the adjacent room, barging in to find her tied up at the hands of Yuri. He runs forward to attack Yuri and save Ringo, but slips on a bottle and falls unconscious. In a long flashback, we learn about Yuri's horrible relationship to her father, a famous sculptor who only cares for beautiful things and sees Yuri as ugly. He asks if Yuri he asks Yuri if he can make her beautiful, which she agrees to out of fear of not being loved by her father. She goes about doing this by uh or he goes about doing this by mutilating her body with his sculpting chisels night after night. She forms a fast relationship with another girl at school, Momika. Momika eventually reveals to Yuri the secret of her diary, which allows her to transfer the fates of living beings. Uh, using their school's pet rabbit as an example of a life she was able to save by changing its fate. Momoko asks if she can change Yuri's fate, aware of what her father is doing to her and how it will eventually kill him, or kill her, uh, but Yuri runs away. Uh, that night, Yuri wakes up in her father's sculpting room to find him gone, along with the oppressive tower he built that overlooks the room. As Momoka explained earlier, when she changes someone's fate, a part of the world also changes, and Momoka gets punished in some way after using the diary. This time, Momoka has used the diary to change Yuri's fate by removing her abusive father from her life. This results in the tower being replaced by the Tokyo Tower, and Momoka being burned. Uh, shortly after, Momoka disappears from Yuri's life. Back in the present, Natsume breaks into Yuri's room disguised as a housekeeper to steal the other half of the diary. After a brief fight between the two of them, Natsume manages to steal the half of the diary that Yuri had on her. Shoma wakes uh, up next to a now fully dressed Ringo in Yuri's room. Yuri reveals to him that she was the one to steal the diary half and that she in fact still has it, having let Natsume run off with a fake. Also somewhere in this episode, Sanatoshi ends, uh, ends up giving Himari scarves to Double H, which Himari is happy about, and Kamba gets the rest of the money that Sanatoshi asked him for last time. Uh, also of note, we have a new OP as of this episode, which is still good, but not as good as the, uh, the first one. And also oh, the ED's really been different it. for all these episodes. Yeah, it's good. I, I like the first one better, but it's still good. Mm. Yeah. I do like it's the hard to ED. the first one, honestly. The EDs, like, which are done by Triple H. Oh, okay. um, I believe it's it's all three characters, actual voice actors that sing. It's definitely Himari's because you can you can pick her voice out. Yeah, I like the ED because it has a whistling in it, like songs that have whistling. Mm. Um, so, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. fir- first note I had was the op, the new op slaps. The second note is they're playing a version of Jenga that I think is actually way cooler than the OG Jenga. <laughs> it's like a little like wobbling tower. Um, 
so the the upsetting con uh, phone call that Shoma gets is set is is uh, from Ringo saying like I'm going to you know in a drugged drugged up haze like I'm going to yeah. go through a transformation I'm going to become a beautiful butterfly I'm going to go through like pleasure you can't imagine stuff like that and I was like oh my god she opened the lament configuration <laughs> and then if only yeah her or Shoma's like roommate who we never see his face which I, that's a gag i'm okay with he's he, yeah he's he's literally a throwaway character he literally exists mm-hmm. to have a plot convenience for why shoma's here which again is like works so much better if it isn't preceding an episode of attempted rape so here we are and yeah. like also the whole like the way momica act, is acting is nothing like how she was acting in the last episode like what the fuck mm-hmm. yeah no yeah i was like wait she was passed out <laughs> like i know the last episode i was saying that um Oh, Sanatoshi is the one that's like um similar to Akio from Utena. And then I realized in this ep- in like this episode, no, it's actually a combination of Akio got split into um Yuri and um Sanatoshi because like um everyone one of the does big the things rape. in Utena is like uh, yeah, uh, I mean fucking uh Akio assault like rapes uh euthana in euthana mm-hmm. but um a lot of the conversation that around euthana is around like adulthood with akio um representing adulthood and the whole discussion of like becoming an adult and everything which was a lot like um what uh ringo was saying to uh shoma mm. and just like yeah um <laughs> not surprised that fucking uh yuri is like sort of a parallel to the biggest piece of shit in euthana <laughs> a pretty big piece of shit in this so checks yeah. out i mean like honestly like one of the running fucking things in this show is adults abusing children and yeah i don't know yeah i, I was like does anyone have a just, okay like, fucking repeating goddamn cycles of abuse in here yeah it's every every single character in this has some sort of abusive parent which like i don't know i don't know that it works for me honestly like to just say like oh yeah all of these people have like equally fucked up backstories like I just essentially become numb to it at a certain point. I'm like, oh, another abusive father. Okay. Oh, and the grandfather. Okay. Well, and it's also the fact that like I'm trying to find my specific note. Um, yeah, my my note. This is a couple episodes now, but it still stands. Uh, is uh, so this is just a show about how people with fucked up parents are fated to turn into uh fucked up people themselves, and it's like you just know, deeply like, fucked. <laughs> That's just, a horrible it's just, sentiment. It's just, yeah, and it's just not interesting. Like mm-hmm. I, and especially like what doesn't work to me about this episode with the stuff in with yuri and her father is like the like over the top nature of it you know like like yes it's like it's more like you know metaphorical in terms of the abuse he's doing to her but like you know it's not very grounded and like real abuse like happens to children by at the hands of their parents but it doesn't take the form of like my father was a gifted sculptor and he refused to see me as beautiful and so he used his chisels on me or whatever. It's like, I don't know, it's just like so ungrounded in a way that I can't, I can't really get what the show wants me to get out of it. Yeah, I made a note saying, wait, what did he use the chisel on? Her arm? What the fuck does, like, huh? How, huh? Like, a chisel does not do that to humans. Like, it would just remove her arm. I don't, so it's just like, it's, you know, and like, you could say, oh, it's trying to be a metaphor. A, I don't think it is, because they're, they're treating it very literally in the show. Uh, and B, like, I, I don't know that I would always nitpick on that, but, like, the fact that, like, they are treating it so heavy, I guess, I don't know, like, something about it where they're trying to make it really grounded, it's like, this is, like, such an absurd 
thing that I'm just like, ugh. Um, and then, you know, again, contrasting this, and it's not like, I think you can have whiplash. I think you can have emotional whiplash to, like, disorientate or, you know, whatever your audience. You can do it from many, like, many ways. But we go from, uh, so that there's the phone call, and she's saying, like, very specific things. Like, Yuri's saying, like, okay, spread your legs or whatever. And, like, Shoma's roommate in, in the inn has, like, a glass pressed up against the, the, the adjoining wall. And it's like, oh, they're, they're, she's saying, oh, just relax. Open your legs. I'm going to, you know, whatever. And, and Shoma's like, oh, like, that means that they're next door. And I'm like, okay, that's, like, a stupid way of, like, showing the next door, whatever. It's fine. And then go in there see the the rape scene which is kind of ambiguous about how far it's progressed if you want to put it that way like if it's like oh nothing happened or if it's like oh no like they were good like that was starting um or whatever yeah to me to me they they take it far enough visually that it doesn't matter to me how no not at all you know um how how far it actually she's like mounted which ringo which is why the the lack of like consequences for yuri by the end of this episode is just deeply upsetting yeah uh, and then, uh, what's his, uh, Shoma runs in, trips on a soda bottle, and immediately hits his head in a way that's, like, done for laughs. Like, it's a, it's a comedy bit. Um, and then cut to, so it's like, oh, blah, 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 and then cut to graphic child abuse. Oh, cut to, um, the Yuri Masako fight, which is just fucking insane. In a vacuum, I would have loved it, because it's so over-the-top fucking bonkers. But in contrast to everything else that's happened up to that point, and the fact that Yuri comes away, like, you don't know it at the time, but comes away the victor. Or no, you do know by this episode, because you said it's like a decoy. It's like, what the f- like, Ikahara, man. What's going on here, yeah, the bud? Tone, the tone shifts in this episode specifically are, like, extreme. Um, and in like I, a way I assume is supposed to be purposeful but yeah it doesn't it doesn't add anything for me it just it, it makes it a like unsatisfying episode of anime to watch it's it's fucking edgelord shit it's uh i don't know like it's it's somehow worse than genarabuchi to me <laughs> <laughs> i mean like the like the flashback stuff with yuri as a child i think might have worked better for me if like the tone that those scenes have was more consistent with the overall tone of the show but it is just like pure whiplash and like again the like ungroundedness of the whole thing just doesn't like i can't take it serious even though the show is like fully committed to like okay this is where the tone of the show is going to get deadly serious and it's like okay but like we just had a slapstick gag like uh right after a a rape scene like what are we doing Mm -hmm. um yeah Yeah. i I totally like this the stuff with and there's another there's another fight scene between natsume and, and yuri in a later episode that would have also been something I would have really enjoyed in a much different show, but instead I'm just like completely taken out of the whole thing because it's just like total whiplash with everything else going on. They also introduced something in this episode that no one seemed to acknowledge. I think Yuri is the person who should have acknowledged it. Um, that using the spell book to change the fate or transfer the fate onto something else um, like affects the user. Um, so you said she saves a rabbit and she like has like a, a nick on her finger kind of thing. And when she saves uh, Yuri from her abuse, she bursts into flames. Mm-hmm. So I don't, no one's acknowledged it so far, but it's like, hey, to save someone, it's, it's the fucking law of mm-hmm. equivalent exchange. 
you're gonna have to swap a life here. But like no one, it's it's not even like a oh like you know they're not talking about it, but they're prepared to like you know give up their life for someone else they love. Like Yuri doesn't mention it at all. Like she's not like like her end goal is I'm gonna get back with uh, Momoka. With Momoka, it yeah. is not. Oh, I'm gonna get Momoka back and then die. Like she specifically wants to be with her, so it's very strange that like that's not remarked upon at all. Um, but yeah, and this is also the point where in the show where I made the note saying like, um, very strange that it's unclear if if the princess if there's like a divine factor to this. Is there a god that is controlling these fates? Is Satoshi or Sanatoshi? Uh, like party to that like are they like an arbiter are they like an observer is is magic real or is it just this one book is this hat magic it's all like this is when i like really was like okay this they they need to start explaining something like they can't keep adding to this and just being like okay who knows yeah i agree i this is this is where i call call my shot This, this has yet to pay off so we'll see um, and if, if this is true, I could see myself either liking what they do with it or, or hating it. But the fact that Momoka, like, you know, is, is as she says, punished um, when she uses the diary. And, like, it seems like depending on the nature of the fate she wants to change, that punishment ranges from, like, a small cut on her hand to, like, spontaneously combusting. Mm-hmm. Um, so my called shot is that uh, Momoka didn't die in the subway attack like from the subway attacks she died during them trying to change somebody or somebody's fates and the cost of like whatever fate she changed was like her death and that's why they only find the diary is because like you know if if she died as a punishment to the diary that's why like the diary wouldn't have like died and or wouldn't have been lost in the explosion either or whatever because like it's like responsible for it that's my cult shot i would actually be very disappointed if it's not true (laughs) <laughs> even if I even if I might not like it being true, but I'd be disappointed if that's not the case. Yeah, I wonder how who will be raped in that sequence. But yes, I'm very curious. <laughs> God, I hope I yeah, hope no, I to think God the there's very, no more rape. Very clearly hinting that that's going to happen. And like speaking of like the hats and stuff, I thought also in episode 13 it was like uh, shown that the hats have something to do with Momoka and something. Oh yeah, no, I I think I yeah I had a note saying. Has there been a pink-haired girl elsewhere? Like, I, I genuinely can't remember. And then the next line I have is, "Oh, okay, it's the hat." Like, it's that's the you know, Sanatoshi's like, you know, oh, I, I was alone for all this time, and then I saw this pink-haired girl who never like accepted me, uh, and then she became a hat, <laughs> fell to earth, I guess. Um, which, yeah, that's has not. But again, what's the what's the mechanism of that? Like, again, I don't I don't need like a eight-point manual, but something to show how any of this works would be would be appreciated uh not as an info dump in you know three episodes but we'll see but yeah do the do the evangelion thing of like like have someone say a whole bunch of like nonsense that i can at least unpack as being like okay like these are the mechanisms that cause the thing that i just saw and not just like show me the thing out of context or or with little context yeah at least with uh with um Ava, like they introduced all the proper noun bullshit, but it's like to drive the 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 scene forward to just be like, hey, we're just going to introduce this into the scene, and and I have some structural problems with that, you know, in terms of like shoving it all down your throat all at once. But at least like it's not in the way. Then like, yeah, I uh, you know whatever spear they introduced in 
4.0 spear of Christ or whatever. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, like at the time, I was like, "Why the fuck? What the fuck was that?" But then I was. I think we talked when we talked about it. I was like down on it, but I genuinely, after the spear was used, I was like, "Wow, they're in like this." Like when when Shinji and Gendo like actually finally fucking talked, I was like, "Oh, okay, this is good, great." I don't care about the spear anymore. It was only upon reflection that I was like, "Why am I being bombarded?" But like at the time, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool, great, awesome, move on." Uh, and here it's just like let's just fucking pile it on, pile it on, pile it on in a way that yeah, is. Yeah, and I mean like to. To put it in the perspective of having to write episode descriptions, it's like sometimes I'm genuinely not sure what I'm supposed to call things because they're not like addressed in the narrative. You know, like uh, the the child broiler, which we get a name for in, in a few episodes, is like something of like a place we've seen before, but it doesn't get that name. So it's like, how am I even supposed to describe that writing these episode descriptions if I don't know like what it's even called? Um, so it's just it's like I said, I don't think it's like strictly a bad thing. I just don't like the kind of like narrative uh usage that all this stuff is getting like it's, it's more frustrating than it is intriguing yeah, it makes me uh uh something i said i think it was an episode one of this of this batch for us um was something like we were talking about how the wikipedia descriptions are very small compared to our descriptions and i think it's something to the effect of like i wonder how much of what we're describing ends up actually being relevant and i do think that the I should not have drank a like a semi-carbonated thing. Just burping the whole time. Um, I I I think the Wikipedia summaries are a little sparse. Um, but I am curious to see if like all that we talk about in the descriptions are actually relevant moving forward. I, I'm trying to think of things that haven't been paid off yet. I think there's a lot of them, but I, nothing comes to mind right now. Um, but it's just like it's just a mishmash to me. Um, and again, like I don't need everything played out to me. I don't need them. I don't, I don't need my handheld. But I just want something to grasp onto. Give me, give me a rope. Yeah, the the metaphor I kept using in my uh, my notes is like, you know, it's it, it's got a lot of cards in its hand, and it's still holding them all like close to its chest. It's like I, I need you to play some of these. Like you don't have to put mm-hmm. them all on the table, but like come on. And I guess like we're we're getting that. Like there's bits and pieces. It's just it doesn't feel like enough for how much they've set up to this point. I will say the Wikipedia descriptions. Um, for these episodes start to get a little bit more um uh like dense i guess like not as dense as mine but like i i looked at a couple and i was just like like uh there's some some stuff i'm gonna put in mind that aren't in these but like as far as like getting the plot down like the the wikipedia descriptions for some of these do a better job than some of the earlier ones Uh, but i still wanted to write my own for them Um, yeah but i i would honestly be happy if um like this was the last we saw of Yuri. Like, tweak the ending oh, of, sure. the, of the fight where, like, Yuri does get taken out. And then the Tabaki thing, like, oh, the Yuri threat is taken care of. Oh, but now Tabaki, like, is actually a double crossing and, like, ah, oh, like, that's a, that's a grand reveal. Like, that would work a little better. Like, y- you gotta either start explaining things or take some of these people off the table because right now you have a full fucking chessboard and no one's making a move and you're about 30 seconds to the end of the game <laughs> like <laughs> we are at that point where resolutions need to come and not just like in a um like i want resolutions to happen a certain way or whatever but like if you don't start resolving things you're going to smush everything into a too small of a time frame with how much is being floated around with all the interlocking characters and all this and like all the open 
plot threads because again, you know, if they introduce the father, they have to like introduce him. He's gonna have a whole spiel. It's probably gonna be a whole episode himself, and they're gonna have to have a resolution to that of like how people react to his. New- and it's all gonna be a fucking thing. And I just don't know how it'll it'll work without it being like the last five minutes just being a codec call from Colonel to uh, Solid Snake <laughs> at the end of MGS4. Yeah, I think it can't be done. It's just it's got its work cut out. Yeah, for it as yeah, well. no, it's it's, it's uh, got to immediately switch to resolution mode. <laughs> uh danielle do you have anything to say about this one or uh no i don't really know how to discuss a lot of this without getting into what happens later on Mm. okay well fair enough get to it next time then i did like the end card of this episode (laughs) which one's the end card for this one it's the uh momoko with like the angel wings from oh yeah paper Mm. from the diary i um i will say i i made a note of this later but it doesn't matter where i say it um i think so before I had not been watching the end card, whatever, because I just moved on to the next episode. Um, but we talked about it enough. That I was like, oh, I should take a peek at those. And they are very good. But I think I prefer the uh, penguin animation. Those are very cute. And they're oh, both those very are very good. good. We, we've neglected talking about those, but those are fun. Those are the best usages, usage of the penguins, save for maybe the roach gag, which has fallen off at this point. But I still, I still uh, go to bat for the roach gag. <laughs> I think there was a roach in this episode. There, oh, there's one roach. I missed it. And in the in the end, like in the hotel room. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. The um, yeah. The I, in episode 18, I, I made a note about it, and I think the, the the penguin animation for that one is like them sitting at like a ramen shop, and they pull the ramen oh. out of the the hot water, and it lands on someone else on the penguin's head. And it's like, okay, that's cute. Um, yeah, that is good. Yeah. No, I will say, um, and I think it might be the next episode. Um, that this is contravent uh, contravened, but um, there's a lot of pe- like pervy penguin gags in these episodes, but most of them are okay to me. Where they're reading porno mags, it's like Kanba's penguin reading porno mags. Yeah, I'm okay That's with that. That's better than the 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 upskirting stuff. Yeah, um, there is which happens in these episodes at some point. Yeah, I think there's a note. I don't remember which part. Yeah, I made a note saying like, no, less upskirting, more porno mag, please, God. <laughs> um you had a good thing going um and i also will say uh the statue that becomes tokyo tower um is very like it's a very interesting piece of world design i was like wow that's like a interesting like creepy thing to have in a city yeah it's- i don't have any uh I don't have any uh, attribution to, to who's responsible for that design, but it definitely feels akin to some of the stuff in, in episode nine um, from the, uh, forget his name, but the, the guy that does a lot of the um, uh, setting design for the Monogatari series. It, 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 it feels resonant with that, that I wouldn't be surprised if he's um, uh, responsible for that. It is very cool. I mean, it's like, it's really tall. Mm-hmm. like insanely tall um because it's like it's like over twice the the height of the rest of the skyline and it reminded me of a, a piece of architecture in the most recent um bogey pop anime which i've thought about that show a lot while watching this um mostly in like oh wow remember that show that's a good show uh <laughs> so i might pick that at some point I, it's not my next one i have my next show lined up but i might pick that at some point i think that'd be an interesting one to talk about yeah. especially in relationship to some of the things in um in this show yeah, it's big enough. There's like always like a helicopter circling it. It's like a if you're if you if you haven't watched the show, it's it's like a a colossus of roads, like that kind of scale of just like a big person yeah. just standing there. The thing that popped in my head is like this feels almost sort of like Panopticon esque. Yeah, that like mm. oh um, 
Yuri's father could see Yuri no matter where she is type thing. Mm, yeah, and I said the helicopters are part of that too, of like surveillance. And there's, I, I talked about this in our first episode on the show of like, you know, noticing like a minor theme or like motif of, uh, of like surveillance. And that, that crops up in, in these episodes. Um, there's stuff with like Natsume in the next episode, like sending one of her maids to, to spy on the other ones or like um, Sanatoshi. Uh, is kind of shown spying on the Takakuras at some point, and like we learn later that like Tabaki has also been spying on them. Like that's definitely a thing that's like still happening in the backgrounds. It's yet to like really like capitulate to anything other than than just like a general like you know sense of unease and like you know hey you're probably always being watched by somebody. Uh, but it, it hasn't really cropped up in the story. It's we're, we're not quite at uh, the conversation. We're not quite at Gene Hackman uh, tearing down the walls of his apartment <laughs> um, yet. Okay. It's a great movie, by the way. Yeah, God, but, I just um, thought of uh, fucking the the G Man from Half Life, where it's like set up as like this this all powerful watcher, blah 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 blah, and that's never resolved in that case because of Half Life Three. But who knows what the reason will be in this one? <laughs> I will say to lighthearted notes because um, we we kind of glanced over it. Uh, the the scene where Hamari's watching the TV, uh, seeing that Double H got the their scarves incredibly fucking sweet the fact that they say oh it's from a, yeah. a precious friend i was like i was ready for them to say like oh an anonymous fan sent it in i was gonna be so fucking mad but no it was a precious friend i was like fuck yes and they played rock over japan which we get more of later that's great um and i also learned that glad to see hamari winning yeah yes. good for her she she deserved it she seems genuinely happy that Sanatoshi sent them over, which I know is going to turn sour because Sanatoshi's clearly a bad guy. But like in that moment, it's like, oh, good for her. She's like, like it's nice to see her genuinely like touched by something like that. Yeah, and I will say, like I, I first read Sanatoshi as like because he had this kind of like mystical element about him from episode nine as like an, a neutral observer, like close to the Grim Reaper, where he's not causing any of this. He just is there to deal with like the cleanup almost or like a you know whatever he's not like maybe maybe not like empathetic but he's just kind of like doing his duty uh and obviously now that is less the case and it's, it becomes more clear later about how he's like you know blackmailing people to do shit uh to better his him or his organization's goals um i will say i also learned a japanese word from this episode um because i i heard it and was like what uh the word for scarf um i had to look it up uh to make sure uh, you can use it as a like a Japanese Japanese Japan or like there's like a foreign board, borrowed word called gairaigo, which is like a where they just Japaneseify an English word. Um, so you can say like yeah. scarfu, uh, but th- in this they say like mufla, like muffler. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was very mm-hmm. funny. Like, oh, what are you wearing? Oh, my muffler. Okay. That's my, that was my highlight of the episode. I was like, oh, a muffler. That's very cute. <laughs> Just trying to latch onto anything. That, and again, in a vacuum, the Yuri Masako fight where they are mm-hmm. ping ponging back and forth those yeah. memory white balls. Not to mention how the, uh, the penguins like cut the lights and it turns off all the torches mm-hmm. and the hot spring. Mm-hmm. It's very stylized. Or splutter cell goggles. Yeah, in, in, in an absolute vacuum. Very fucking fun. Uh, ridiculous. You know, why does uh, Yuri have a fucking ping pong paddle other than the fact that they did it earlier? But, like, why does she have it now? She says, like, don't underestimate an actress. And it's like, what? Okay, sure. Shame about the rape, really. Um, yeah, if the show had a lighter tone and it was just girl boss versus girl boss, I'd 
That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Very curious how this episode would land if it wasn't for the previous. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like I said, they still could have, like, just done the Yuri dressing up uh, Ringo as Momoka. That'd still be creepy as creepy for when Shoba walks in on them. Would yeah. still work. Yeah. I think we'd still have, I'd still have tone problems with the flashback stuff, but, um, like, that would have to be changed slightly too for me to. Mm-hmm. like this episode more but definitely if yeah the stuff with yuri and ringo the last episode was less severe i would have felt differently about the, uh, the episode overall um, but anyway speaking of natsume um we should talk about episode 16 uncrushable man i think this is one that the yeah the um the official english title just misses the fucking point the official english title is immortal man which it's like, come on, like, <laughs> it's very specific, like, I don't know, maybe, like, they, the official English subs translate her, I must crush him soon stuff completely differently, but anyway, it's uncrushable, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natsume realizes the half of the diary she stole is a fake and resolves to formulate a counterattack on Yuri. She sends one of her servants to continue spying on the Takakuras while she goes about living her best girl boss life as the president of her late grandfather's holdings company. In a series of flashbacks, we learn how much of a piece of shit her grandfather is, Natsume and her brother Mario, which, side note, I, when, when Mario's first introduced, thought it was a girl. Cho does not make that clear, I apologize. Um, but her brother Mario, um, uh, Natsume and her brother Mario are separated from their father because their grandfather finds him to be a weak man. Natsume also worries that something bad will happen to Mario if he can't live up to her grandfather's standards. Natsume dreams of quote-unquote crushing her grandfather, uh, but never really goes through with actually trying to kill him. One day, her father braggadociously prepares blowfish for himself, uh, but doesn't do so properly and dies from the blowfish poison. Uh, Years go by, and Natsume becomes the head of the family. One night after Mario disappears from his room, Natsume finds him out in the yard practicing kendo and learns that the spirit of her grandfather somehow has possessed him. Under the threat of harming Mario, he makes Natsume eat some poorly prepared blowfish. As she appears to be dying from the poison, she receives a phone call from Sanatoshi, who saves her. Later on the train, Sanatoshi shows uh, Natsume Kanba gathering with a bunch of shady men in black trench coats, with the penguin logo adorning them. Her father also appears to be a part of this group. Sanatoshi uh, asks Natsume to join them in, quote, putting the world back on track, but she refuses. Meanwhile, still at the hospital, um, but unable to, or but able to leave her room now, Himari gets closer with Sanatoshi. Um, she also initiates the survival strategy on the servant uh, Natsume sent to spy on her in order to disrupt her from spying. Um, I feel like you can tell as part of my description, this is what I just kind of had it with the show. It's like, fuck it. <laughs> okay. um, I will say, uh, to add a little bit to it, uh, specifically the like forcing her to eat uh, the blowfish, it is a little different. Um, he says one of these there's like two platters of blow of fugu one of them was prepared by him which is like implied to be like that's how he died so it's like oh it's like poor it's poisoned and the other one was like prepared by like a certified chef um and it's basically like a fit like he says like oh whoever chooses the right one will be able to lead the family from now on or whatever and um she like pauses and he's about to like start eating one and then she like says oh to protect mario i'll i'll eat both of them so she she eats both of them and collapses and and then gets the call um which i thought was very funny that she was like i need to protect mario but like 
in a way that it lingers on it seemingly purposefully, Mario is like knocked into a koi fish pond head first and is like stuck there. It's like, did she just fucking murk Mario accidentally? What the fuck? Uh, you know, this entire episode is fucking nonsense. I, why is any of this happening? <laughs> I, I, I genuinely hated this episode where it's like, I had problems with the like Yuri stuff and all of that. I genuinely just like, what am I fucking watching? What is the point of all this? Yeah. <laughs> like, From the first, one of the first lines, the first note I have is she says, like, I have to come up with a counterattack. And I go, uh, come up with a charged counterattack. Haha, <laughs> I'm very funny. Uh, and then my next note is literally a quote. I had to, this, so we talked about this. Um, I, y'all don't watch all six episodes in one go. I do, generally. Because I don't pause. I just take notes as I go. You know, I'm, I'm good at, I, I can do that. I, I'm fine with doing that. Um, I did have to pause here. Because one of her first lines in this, when she's like describing her morning routine, is, quote, I like my men mm-hmm. like I like my tea, getting the first sip. And there's no explanation beyond that. <laughs> Literally, one of my notes is, what did she mean by <laughs> that, that, that line? Well, the only explanation we further get is that that's, that's what her grandfather also said, except he says it about uh, women and not men, but it still doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, he says, like, I like my, I like my blowfish like I like my is, women, stripped mm, by me. That at least makes sense. It, <laughs> is first sip, like virginity is he like oh I'll, i only like women who haven't had sex with any other men is, I have, is that what that's supposed to be i have no idea i literally do not know she also said uh when she's like they're like going through the a day of her life and she like she's in some fucking board meeting and she says uh, it's a dog eat hog world and i'm like that's not the expression which is one thing but like that changes the meaning of the expression like Yes, a dog does eat a hog. That's how it works. Dogs hunt hogs. Okay, what? It's dog eat dog. God damn it! I think <laughs> it's supposed to be like a like a intentional like mis misread of like a phrase. Like I, I assume the subs like take whatever Japanese like euphemism or idiom she used and like you know turns it around into a more English uh, understandable one. But like I assume she's meant to be like like that's on purpose. It's not, I, fine. it's not funny and it's confusing, but I, I think yeah. it's Yeah, well, that's the thing, like, especially paired with the, like, I think at this point I was still fucking reeling from getting the first sip, and then it's dog eat hog, and I'm like, what is going on? Is this a mistake? Is this, what's going on? Help, help me. Yeah, and then there's the thing about, like, her saying the thing about, like, something something Genghis Khan'd, like, like Khan, Oh, like, you should have been conquered thing. by Genghis Khan, or you would have let yourself be conquered by Genghis Khan, because that weird yeah. fucking example to to pull from but okay um there are a lot of weird things in this episode like the maid it, the maid who knows like they say kanba and his sister like they know he has a sister and he says the maid is like why is he so taken by this thick-headed thick-headed woman and it's like why is he taken by his like why there are multiple people throughout the series i think it's in the, maybe in the next few or something where they like question why are you going so far to save this like save himari and it's like what like it's a it's his sister what the fuck is going on like it's so i did smile once 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 in this episode oh the uh the initiation yeah. of the survival yeah, strategy yeah 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 that's a great gag. that was great that's a great gag that was great. <laughs> it was a great gag and then what follows after after it is not a great gag yeah the, the uh, like 
Himari taking photos of the maid dressed down like she's a gravure model or whatever. Yeah. Like, what? What? <laughs> Why? Yeah. Hey, you know, they're Yuhara, explain yourself. They are hey, hey. Ev- it's incremental improvement. We were at child rape and now we're at sexual assault, sexualizing an adult. <laughs> but like in a way that the the, the adult is not consensual, like so yeah, seemingly. It's, it's still like sexual assault. <laughs> yeah. And she wakes up she's like, was that a dream or whatever? It's just, it's it's and like it's not like, oh, there's some grand revelation in that scene that like now uh the princess knows the maid is like watching them or like they're being watched or whatever. No, it's it's a as far as I can tell, correct me if I'm wrong, completely unrelated to anything else. It's just done no, the, for reasons. Yeah, it's 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 done to be a gag that's like unfunny and unsexy and then like um i guess the 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 purpose of the scene at large is like she like realizes she's being spied on and like does the survival strategy to like mess with her but like you could have could have come up with a better gag than that yeah i'm i could have come up with a better gag than that i'm thinking of um just king things which everyone should listen to it's a great podcast anything on range touch go give it a listen stop listening to us go listen to them but they Listen to them after you listen to them. <laughs> Don't stop this podcast. Both at the same time. Um, they say things with Stephen King, like, I can't remember the exact phrasing, but it's something like, we don't want to get too biographical. Like, we don't want to read into his biography, into his works. But what the fuck is going on with Gahara? Why did, like, why is he writing uh, all of this into the work? Is it for titillation? Is it for gags? Is it funny? Does he think it's funny? Does he think it's high drama? Or is he just like, hey, I want to see big boobies in in my anime? I'm very curious about Ikahara now. Again, not to say, like, you know, anything he's doing is like, or that him as a person is like some, you know, whatever to be judged. But I'm very curious as to why he just goes to this as like a default state, apparently, for like a source of conflict. Like, why use rape and sexual assault as like your main source of drama apparently in multiple series like same with yutana apparently correct me if i'm wrong like what do you like do you just think that's the best way of communicating drama or what like what's going on yutana is an adaptation oh right right right, sorry yeah so but like i mean like the bigger thing is like this kind of stuff is like endemic to a lot of anime mm -hmm. like that's both an oversimplification and, like, not fair to a lot of other anime that, like, don't deploy this kind of stuff or, like, handle it better. But, like, you know, like, this isn't, like, you know, uh, an exclusive trait of Ikuhara. I guess it's just something that, like, crops up in multiple of the shows. And more importantly, I guess, just, like, within the context of this one, is all over the work in a way that I felt like it was gonna, like, pay off somehow. But I don't think it's going to, or I think it's, like, already paid off in terms of just, like, it's just a part of, like, the, um like material of the story where it's just like at any point <laughs> anybody can be like assaulted or like every character's like uh n- like sexual nature is something that can be like acted upon at any moment which is just like not cool when <laughs> like half the cast is like teenagers or children like i well, don't know like well you also say anyone but so far it's only been the women as far as i know right like no one's tried to molest shoma i mean there's the scene with tabaki um and um Ringo, I think, is the only thing I could point to of like a, a one of the men in the show being like on the receiving end. Oh, okay, right, right. 
Fair. But yeah, it's mostly done to the women in the show. Yeah, I, I just wish someone would, like, tell Ikuhara about murder as a source <laughs> of drama. Or like... Or like literally anything else. Bank robbery. <laughs> Or something like uh, just like have someone else in the writing room rain game him, him, yeah him, just like a little bit yeah <laughs> or hey you know what you know what is a source of conflict that worked exceedingly well for me and didn't involve any kind of like physical or sexual abuse it was when like shoma told ringo to fuck off after she's like oh i waited for you so we could walk together like that's like real conflict and like had way more emotional impact on me than any other stuff in the show mm-hmm. um, or any of like the you know ex- more explicit stuff in the show um it's like you can do it like it's in there like you could just have people say harsh things to each other and then like that be the source of your conflict like i love i live for that stuff that stuff's good um but yeah it's it's real disappointing uh i don't know if i have much to add the all the stuff with natsume and her grandfather in the show is just a pain to watch i yeah like where it this this is where like the slapstick and comedic nature of the show really comes to bite its ass where it's just like i cannot take any of this seriously when it's like all heightened comedy but also, like, her father is being abusive and an asshole and, like, is has, like, you know, separated their father from them and all this stuff. But meanwhile, he's also, like, comedically eating an entire plate of fugu. Like, ha ha ha. Oh no, he died. Ha ha ha. Like, I don't, I don't know. I just, yeah. There's just, like, nothing for me to latch onto in any of that. Well, and it presents things that are, like, bad. Uh, um, like, or confusing to the plot, like... Uh, going back to what is magic, is magic in this world, what is the the diary, what is the penguin drum, now spirit transfer is bona fide true? Like, yeah. in a way that's removed, uh, seemingly yeah. removed from the diary, like it just seems like he willed himself into Mario's body. Um, the fact that um, it's like very delayed apparently, um, also like the, the penguin hat we see is Momoka uh for for himari but uh, maybe is the grandfather for uh fucking other uh for mario i don't know maybe um also there's things like the ava train which when it was employed in uh episode whatever before when they're describing like the the bombing and all that i read that as like a like metaphorical space like it's just kind of like a space for them to talk that's not in the hospital because they like later cut to them still in the hospital like it seems to be like literally a place where they're just talking uh oh no 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 it's the uh uh they get sent there by the penguin drum i don't fucking yeah 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 yeah. uh but here they just go there um so apparently that's also like that's a place that like anyone can be sent to in this case i think by by sonatoshi so it's like okay well that's apparently sanatoshi has the same powers as the penguin drum or as the diary as the fuck or the fucking hat whatever the fuck um again episode 16 at the end of episode 16 you really shouldn't be adding more layers onto this thing without resolving any of the previous layers um yeah the, the my last note for this is um just a, a very interesting detail that i noticed I keep wanting to call her Natsuki. That's not her name. Natsume. <laughs> Natsume. Natsume. Um, she refers to herself as Watakushi instead of like Watashi, which is like a very formal way of saying I. I mean, like she speaks very formally. Exactly. That's her whole thing. Exactly. So uh, I thought it was very interesting. Like that, regardless of the situation, she like she, I can't remember who she was talking to in that point. But like when I think of like that 
I think like the way it was explained to me by someone was like you say that to your boss, you say that to someone you're trying to suck up to, uh, but she's saying it to like the maid or just like generally. That's just how she refers to herself. And I was like, okay, that's an interesting little character detail. Good job, Ikahara. You, I mean, uh, the the way the way I put it in my <laughs> the way I put it in my notes is like the reveal of this episode that she like runs her grandfather's holdings company is like, oh, her being a literal capitalist explains why she's like that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no wonder she's just insufferable. Yeah. Um. I, there there are a couple things that I pointed out in my like thinking back on it. I'm like I had a really bad time watching this episode, but there are a couple bits of the comedy stuff that did. Uh, work for me i mean we mentioned the the start of the uh uh survival strategy being being very funny himari like looking out the window directly at the maid spying on her and like the speech bubble saying survival strategy is very good um there's uh, i did think the there's like a montage of natsume having dreams where she's killing her father that did work for me um and part of what worked for me is that like her fa- her grandfather is like constantly with like English businessmen who are oh, like, yeah. oh no, Mr. President. And it's like literally <laughs> in English and it's like it's like pretty good English, like whoever's saying it, but it's very funny that like the only people he's surrounded with are just like English guys going like, Oh no. I oh my was, god. I thought it was literally um, like an English VA. Like it sounded like fucking James from like the English VA for James for Pokemon. Like I was like, oh, oh sure. it's like, like yeah, it, it does felt real. It's it sounds very convincing, yeah. Um that stuff was funny to me, but uh, but not much else the episode was. Uh, I was interested that the grandfather's face was kept to Kanji the whole time. So in the show, we've had characters who are like background characters, like literally crowds that are depicted as like bathroom symbols, like the kind of like very rounded cutout, whatever. Um, and to have a character who is like, I mean, I guess it's not important that we see his face. But he's not a background character. He's, it's the entire episode is dedicated to him. So the fact that they kept his face as just like the kanji for grandfather is very interesting the whole time. I also think the same thing happens with her father. Her father, yeah. See, like when his when when his father looks uh, her direction on the train at the end, it, uh, it's got the kanji for her father. Yeah. There and my my most poignant note, my most pointed note of this episode and maybe of this whole series is: Are there any good parents in this? Like this is the moment that I realized I was like. Man, like you could make a you could make an anime or something that's like, oh, you know, everyone gets traumatized somehow as a child. Like everyone ha- like doesn't have a, a perfect thing and and their parents aren't perfect or whatever. But it's like every single one of the parents in this, with the exception of maybe Ringo's parents, who at the time were shitty mm, even then. But like eventually kind of started to come around. Like they were dealing with trauma and griefs, so like I'm a little okay with that, like, as a, not, like, okay with it, but, like, I understand it, but everyone else. They're not comically evil like the rest yeah, of the Yeah, every single adult in this is just a, a rapist or an abuser or both, uh, and it's, it's numbing to the point where I'm just, like, you know, I, I don't care, like, what's gonna happen next? Another rape? Yeah, probably, who knows? Another whatever, like... Yeah, and it, this was also where I made my, my earlier note about, like, um... It's not just that, like, they all have fucked up parents or fucked up adults in their life. It's that, like, through all of these flashbacks that these episodes do, it's that, like, the thesis of the show seems to be, like, oh, having a shitty fucked up parents turns you into a shitty fucked up person. Like, you know, the only real evidence we have to the contrary is is Ringo uh, as our best example, and then I guess the, the Takakuras so far. Um, but you know, Which, it's just, as... R- Ringo as the best example now. 
Previously, yes, no. <laughs> but, um, but you know, it's kind of funny. I think we kind of talked about it a little bit, but like uh, a show that dealt with a very similar theme, Evangelion. Uh, I think yeah. I've talked about this before where I asked Austin one time, like, is Ava anti-war? And I think he replied with, uh, Ava is anti-shitty parent. <laughs> and like, yeah. in that, like, A, like, neglectful parents exist. Um, cause that's a, another form of like, you know, being an abusive household is having a neglectful parent, uh, emotionally or physically. Uh, not everyone just rapes their child or rapes a child, uh, generally. Um, and it's like a lot more nuanced and, and still has its problems, but like a lot more nuanced, you know, Masato terrible, but like everyone else has their own thing going on. Whereas this is just like, man, Masato's terrible. Like at least she's trying at some points. Yeah, like you get you get the good and the bad with her, whereas this it's just all the bad, yeah. the good, and we don't even see like the people underneath those parents trying to like you know escape from that or like trying to like grow or or get out from from under their abuse. It's just like oh nope, a terrible traumatic thing happened to me when I was young, and now I'm I'm twisted. Now I'm the Joker. <laughs> Talking about Tabaki, <laughs> Masato is a uh, uh, bad in a way that can be ignored for a large portion of it like a lot in a a lot of ways she is like a lifeline for shinji uh and then she says come back and i'll fuck you uh, at the very end Mm -hmm. so it's like uh, uh." she she says that in multiple timelines of ava she just always wants to fuck shinji (laughs) it means we'll get in the robot Uh, (laughs) all right i i think we should uh move on to the next one yeah Um, do we want to i so here's my proposal uh I think we can do the next two as a single one. My, descri- yeah, my description I'm, for 17 is actually not that long. Yeah, I I, I'm sure as y'all can tell from me commenting last time, <laughs> this entire conversation is getting me even more down on the show, so I'm like just wanting to finish this up. Sure. Looking at my notes for 17, one of them is just a question that I don't know the answer to, and then the second one is a very long paragraph I wrote about my feelings about the show overall. Uh that the the main point of that one is, you know, the only person who seems to be handling as well as Tabaki, which uh, episode eighteen. God. Whoops! Yeah, <laughs> we were all baited. We were all <laughs> fucking. You got baited. me. Um, but yeah, I as a result, I'm totally fine with doing seventeen, eighteen as as a single whole because I don't have many notes for either of them, but I have two, three notes for uh, seventeen. Okay. Um. All right. Well, we're going to do 17 and 18 back-to-back. So first, episode 17 is called The Unforgiven. Kanba and Shoma visit Ringo in the hospital and make takoyaki for her. Their fun times are interrupted when Himari initiates the survival strategy with them, uh, reinforcing the need for them to find the penguin drum. She also lets slip that the penguin drum probably isn't the diary. Uh, in their penthouse apartment, Yuri and Tabaki uh, talk about the, their bond with Momoka and express their mutual intention of... Um, I guess this isn't quite clear, so I'll scratch that, but they talk about Momoko. Uh, Himari leaves the hospital for the day uh, to go shopping with Ringo for supplies for the sweaters she's making for Shoma and Kamba. While out, Ringo receives a call from Yuri, who invites her and Himari out for dinner. Meanwhile, Shoma and Kamba search for Himari to try and bring her back to the hospital. Before Yuri can meet up with Ringo and Himari, she runs into Natsume, who initiates a fight between the two of them over the two halves of the diary. Ringo and Himari run into Tabaki while waiting for Yuri to arrive. The episode ends with Tabaki taking the two of them to a construction site where he reveals that he intends to enact punishment on the Takakura family. Uh, Then episode 18 is called So Please Be There For Me. Um, 
we learn that uh or we learn about tabaki's childhood having grown up with a mother who loved piano so much that she forced it upon him when his younger brother shows signs of being a child po- prodigy for piano his mom begins ignoring tabaki for him uh, in trying to deal with this tabaki slams his fingers into the piano leaving him unable to play anymore uh, in a place called the child broiler we see momika come and save him from throwing his life away uh, in the present, Tabaki has kidnapped Himari and is holding her hostage on the roof of the construction building. He asks Kamba to bring his father in exchange for Himari. Kamba arrives alone, insisting he has no idea where his father is, even though, as Tabaki reveals, he's been working with the organization his father is a part of to earn the money he's been using to pay for Himari's treatment and to keep their house. Tabaki, realizing uh, that Kamba isn't going to be able to bring his father, decides he'll enact his punishment for Momoka's death on the Takakura children instead. Um, as Amari is about to fall to the bottom of the building, Kamba tries to save her by holding onto one of the steel cables, keeping her from falling, to the point that his hand gets severely injured. Amari decides to allow herself to take Tabaki's punishment, asking that he not hold a grudge against Shoma and Kanba, and telling Kanba that he's done more than enough for her sake. Uh, just as it seems that she's going to fall to her death, Tabaki saves her, having recognized a connection between the links that Kanba goes through to save Amari and the links that Momoka went through to save him and also having recognized uh, the monster he's become. Shoma arrives just in time to see Himari saved and proceeds to take them both back to the hospital. Meanwhile, as Tabaki leaves, he encounters Yuri, who still uh, only has her half of the diary after her fight with Natsume, uh, while Tabaki fully admits that their entire relationship is based on their desire for either... Uh, or when Tabaki fully admits their entire relationship is based on their desire for either revenge for Momoka or to bring her back, uh, Yuri slaps him. The episode ends with Ringo joining Shoma as he uh, embraces his siblings, and she tells him that she would never hurt them like Tabaki did. Uh, that last bit is the, the best part of the episode. Best part of either of these episodes. <laughs> so, yeah, I love uh, Himari and Ringo getting along. They're great. I want them to be happy. Mm-hmm. And it's just, what, what the fuck was the point of having Tabaki say all these things about how he's let go of the trauma because it's going to destroy him if he fucking keeps on it and then immediately he's like yeah i'm gonna fucking kill this teenage this teenager to get back at her parents it's, it's, it's yeah, i genuinely don't know what's what's going on there it, like, it's it's the simple it's it's to trick the it's to make the audience think the show is smart it's to subvert your expectations literally like aha i didn't realize <laughs> that this would happen you're so clever ikahara like it's, you know what sucks about all this what's that the besides the obvious, I guess it just, it just sucks. The the you know how I knew Tabaki was gonna turn evil, and this is like the 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 only the only piece of evidence really that you get before this episode. I think is there's a menacing shot of him in the op in the first op, and that's that's about all you get a setup for him making this turn. Like it's just classic. Like oh, there's more going on with this guy and him just being, like, reasonable and nice the whole time. It's like, you see that shot in the OP enough times, you're like, yeah, I guess he's gonna turn bad at some point. Mm. It's like, I wasn't I wasn't surprised because I had, like, thought that early on, but I'm just like, damn it, I hate that they didn't do any other work to set that up by now. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, as you were describing it in the, in the plot summary, I was like, I don't know why Yuri slaps him for, like, saying, oh, our relationship was based around this single goal or whatever. Because, like, she says that at some point. Like, she says to Ringo in episode 14, I think, like, oh, our, our marriage is a, is a show. It's all a show anyway, or something like that. 
And then she's, oh, just kidding. And it's like, wait, now she's offended about that? About him being like, oh, I used you like you were using me? Fuck me, I guess. Um, I did get a kick out of the uh, the mother um, like forcing childhood prodigy onto like a piano player. I was like, oh, I didn't know I was watching You Rely in April, but here I am. <laughs> Different ending. Um, the whole setup for that is, is so weird because mm-hmm. it's like, I left a lot of this out of my description. It's like, she married a famous piano player and had Tabaki and then forced him to pick up the piano, but then she divorced his father because, oh, actually, he's not that good at piano anyway. And then she marries a famous composer and has a child with him, and then that's the child that's the child prodigy, and then she she neglects Tabaki after that. It's like, it, I feel like there's a simpler way to, to tell that kind of story. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's like many things in the show, just kind of like exists. It's like, okay. Um, here's a question I had in episode 17, and it was partially answered, answered in 18, and I'm interested to see what y'all think about the, um, the rest of the question. So the question I had was, does Hamari know anything about any of this? Um, like, both about the parents being terrorists, apparently. Uh, the whole, I'm dying if no penguin drum, so on and so forth. Because it feels like she has no agency. Not, and to the show's credit, that actually does not make, or that does make sense. Like, the two main characters, Kanba and Shoma, I definitely think that they would keep her in the dark because they like think that that's what's right for her. And they do show that she, you know, she says to Kanba, because like Kanba's going to like mutilate his arm essentially. And she's like, I know I'm like, I'm dying, aren't I? Like, I know I don't have much time left. Like, you don't need to fuck your life up. Like, you, you should live for yourself. So that part was answered. Does she know about anything else? Do we know? Like, do we, do they keep her in the dark about like, oh, our parents killed multiple people? I think she knows about the parents, but she doesn't know about the penguin drums. Okay. Okay. I was just curious because the show wasn't like always entirely clear. I, I, I kind of figure like at some point she probably would have heard about the parents, even though it wasn't really brought up. Um, though given that they talked a lot about like, oh, you're maintaining the charade of a happy family. I was curious if it was like they're keeping her in the dark about that part of the of the family. Um It feels like the kind of thing she probably knows, but not because like anybody ever sat down with her. Uh, and said like here's what's up she probably picked it up like overhearing conversations is yeah. the kind of like vibe i get yeah I, I doubt anyone talked to her about it and again n- you know that robs her of her agency but in a way that i think works perfectly with shoma and kanba who think it's like their fucking yeah, divine fucking right and rule and obligation to make sure she suffers no injustice in the world and it's like no she's a f- <laughs> Fuck, I mean, not an adult. Like she, yeah. She's a, a sentient human being who can make her own fucking judgments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hope that stuff gets developed out further, because I think that could be interesting. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about the child broiler? I was curious if it was metaphorical, like, oh, it, it, it feels like I'm... I'm packed into this. We live in a society. <laughs> it's, it's it's the uh, it's the another brick in the wall part two scene in, yeah. the, in the wall movie. It's literally just that. That's the child broiler. Well, it, <laughs> so the, yeah. It also has like it like plays into the fact that like all the background characters are like nondescript. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the fact that a, a broiler would have uh, a bunch of saw blades at the bottom doesn't make any fucking sense, but whatever. Um. Because yeah, I thought it was like metaphorical, where he's like, I'm locking myself in the prison, like I might as well be invisible, and like, oh, uh, Momoka is like saving me and like literally like breaking down the walls metaphorically. But, like, honestly, I think it's literal. I feel like somehow the show thinks it's, like, a literal um, 
yeah invisible so entity like this, the, yeah like well this is like the issue me and you had with the library where it's like the first time we see it it's like it doesn't really matter if this is a real place or not like mm -hmm. it's it's like a storytelling device but then we see it again and it's like no this is a very literal place or like this is a place that characters can occupy and not just like a dream space for like story stuff to happen uh this child broiler scene feels like it should just be like a, this is the first time we're seeing it fine this is the child broiler it's just a metaphor for what topic he's going through and momoka saving him but like we've literally seen this place before in the same episode we first see the library like when after i think it's after himari falls through the floor she ends up there and like has like a flashback to like it's like the which this has not paid off at all yet of like the oh we promised we would we would share the fruit of fate or whatever the hell the line is i don't even know anymore lost. i've lost the plot on some of this stuff so hard <laughs> at this point but like we've seen this place before so it's not like a oh this is just an i mean it is an abstraction that's what they're going for but also it's a literal space we've been in before it doesn't exist just to tell this one like metaphor for for Tabaki being saved by momoka it's just weird like i don't think it's like outright bad it's just like it's messy in a way i don't find like interesting i just find it a bit frustrating mm. Yeah, no, in it, it's just all oh, it's the show's really trying to do too much, and this is where it reaches like this batch is where at least I feel it reaches breaking point of taking on. That's a great yeah, way of saying trying it. to do so many different. That's a great way of saying it. Like it's 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 putting too much on its plate. It, it's taking on too much. Like it's trying to do too many things at once. Um, pick one or two things and analyze those things. Yeah, especially if you're if. If like, you're like making it as if it's a show that's trying to be analytical about like people's trauma responses or or, or whatever, like we don't need like secondary traumas for Tabuki and Yuri. We could have just had them losing Momoka. And yeah, yeah, that's a great. I didn't even think about that. Like they already had their trauma point. What the fuck? Oh my god! I my, I have a note at the start of episode eighteen, which is just oh great time for Tabuki's other tragic backstory. Yeah. <laughs> And, um, and here's the thing, and this is like, I'm going to fucking come out and say this is a technical problem with the show. This is not like a misreading thing. It, it, used, it used the cinematic language poorly um, because there's a point where Tabaki, like Shoma, or sorry, Kamba is calling someone's phone and Tabaki answers and says, like, I have your, your sister or whatever the fuck. And the way it's cut, it like cuts from the tower to where Kanba is. Oh yeah. As he's on the phone, implying that he's like, oh, that's where they are. Like he knows where they are. And I literally had a point where I wrote a note saying, like, wait, how did they how did Kanba find him? Like, did I miss something? And then the next point I had, because you know, he's like after a few minutes, he's like, you know, oh I gotta find him or whatever the fuck. Cause uh, he says, um uh, Tabaki like sends him a map or something like that uh, and I was like oh maybe he, I guess he didn't find them and like it was just a really poor way of visualizing Kanba on a hill in the same vicinity of the tower I guess trying to establish that he's close enough to get there quickly but it's just really poorly done and I'm like yeah it mm. it read there's a scene I think at the end of episode 17 like after Tabaki's taken uh, Ringo and um, Himari where uh, Kamba's out on the street looking for Himari, and he's standing right in front of the coffee shop that they were just at, waiting for Yuri. So it's kind of like, a, oh, he's so close to finding them, mm -hmm. but he's just off. Like I, that's what I think they were going for in that shot of him, like basically right in front of the construction building. 
but it it did seem to me like oh he sees them he knows what's going on but then he's like oh i'll, I'll send you directions to where i need you to take your father it's like oh okay, i guess yeah i guess yeah i guess yeah <laughs> very, never mind very awkward uh and my next note is lamau tabaki said bakamitai i think he was talking to ringo i don't remember for sure but i was i i, I got a lot of glee out of the fact that he said bakamitai <laughs> i was like man if only they cut in the song they cut in the entire amv uh from the yakuza series <laughs> guy who's only played Yakuza really well, <laughs> just like Yakuza. <laughs> it's I don't know this for sure, but I think it's in every Yakuza game. I would have to check. No. Oh. But I know it's in Even zero, two, seven, and five. So I have to imagine it's in one, three, four, and six. But it is in seven, yeah. Uh the main character does not sing it though. It's a, a side character, Namba. Not a side character, it's like one of the party members. Oh, okay. Um but it's it's a very funny when Nanba does it, it's very funny because the, the person he's singing about is not dead or like estranged. Anyway, um, so yeah, we do get like some notes about like uh, like Himari does know kind of what's going on. Like this is the first time that like she kind of puts her foot down and says like, "You guys have been suffering so much for me, and I didn't really ask you to. I want you to live for yourself and not just for me." Um, and I they they showed the penguins like or her penguin like knitting a rope. I was like, I swear to God, if mm-hmm. this rope saves them, I'm going to fucking quit out. Like, there's no fucking way I'm going to finish this show. <laughs> it did not. However, I also don't know how Tabaki saved her. Because she is, like, no, several I, floors down. I had to rewind. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> like, she is several floors down, and he is shown as being on the same level as Kanba. And I, I yeah. still don't know. I think it's just, like, a convenience thing where there's, like, oh, yeah, they, say, he, he saved her. Hmm. Yeah, and we see, like, the, I don't know what you would call it, like, the big bucket <laughs> she's standing in or whatever. Like a bathtub. Like, fall to the bottom of the building. Like, it's not like it, do- it doesn't fall and he, like, you know, jumps jumps across and grabs mm-hmm. her or whatever. It's like, he just has her. It's just, like, I don't know. In a, in a different kind of show, that kind of, like, lack of spatial awareness would, would be funny and, like, be okay. But in, in the, like, seriousness of this entire scene, it felt very weird. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And then... Uh, surprise upon surprise, at least at this point, Tabaki does not get any comeuppance other than a slap to the face. Um, yeah, he just he just walks away, and he yeah, I guess he he self realizes like, man, what I'm doing right now sure is fucked up. I can't believe I'm doing this right now. <laughs> I wrote um, down that at his the very end there his jokerification is complete. He's reached the point of uh, yeah. knowing what he's doing is wrong, but doing it anyway. <laughs> I think I would have liked his like. Um, you know, he he sees, I think it's the fact that he sees Kamba's hand injured, and, like, when Momoka saves him, it's her hand that, like, gets injured as, like, the punishment from the diary, presumably. Mm. And I think it's, it's like, that that snaps him into, into clarity of, like, oh god, what am I doing? Like, you know, Kamba's just like Momoka trying to save me. Um, I think that would work better for me if they had set up a lot of this motivation for Tabaki more than just literally in this same episode. Um, yeah. It's just real rushed doesn't make any sense i i i almost wish that like in the episode that he's talking to ringo that he said something instead of saying like oh it's all in the past and you know the the parent this i forgot to mention this but he says the parents didn't kill momoka like with their own hands so really vengeance doesn't make much sense which i was like that's a weird (laughs) sentence like i mean think about this on the context of like some national tragedy like 9-11 It'd be like if someone was like, well, my, my, my son was killed in 9-11, but, like, Al-Qaeda didn't kill him with his two hands or, or, or whatever, but whatever. Put that aside for a second. 
Um, I, Joe Al Qaeda <laughs> or Al Qaeda, whatever the fuck. Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. Um, but uh, I almost wish he he had a more uh, unhinged response. Like I wish he had said like, "Oh yeah, oh if I got my hands on them, I would fucking rip them to shreds or whatever for ruining this, that, and the other." Something that like at the moment would be justified. Like something where he could say like this horrible shit. Like I would beat them to fuck, and then say like, "But really, like there's no way of me getting that. Therefore, I'm not going to like go down that path." And then it's like, aha, he really was yeah. trying to seek out that path all along. Um, but yeah, like, like, as a result, I'm it just comes out of how, nowhere. Yeah, I'm thinking now about how, like, um, he's their teacher, mm-hmm. uh, like, Kamba and Shoma. You would think they could have, like, had him be like, oh yeah, he's our teacher, but he, like, he hates us. He just, he's always picking on us. He's always getting us into trouble. And then, like, have that be the explanation for why. But there's, like, zero conflict between him and literally any of the other characters until this very moment well and they explicitly he explicitly says in the ringo discussion like oh yeah i was shocked to find out that they were my students but like at the end of the day like they're them and their parents are that like separate kind of thing yeah um and yeah just as a result like you know i i kind of got a kick out of the fact that it's like a double cross like he double crossed yuri which i was like i thought y'all were basically going for the same goal i guess yuri is going more for like getting back momoko whereas tabaki is just going back for revenge um but again mm-hmm. i think it would have been perfectly fine if yuri had gotten fucking memory wiped and like tabaki does this fucked up thing basically as like taking up the mantle that would have been better than her just you know raping someone and getting away with it but yeah um yeah no the 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 biggest saving grace is the fact that the penguin does not save the day i would have shit my pants if that had happened um but (laughs) like i was like there's no way that fucking tiny rope is gonna like lasso onto something or whatever i was gonna scream if that happened but thankfully it did not it is a pretty good sight gag of the penguin like furiously (laughs) knitting (laughs) trying to get it completed in time um but you're right if that had had paid off with and then we're saved by the penguin's tiny rope then uh yeah and i thought it was going to be like shoma somehow like grabs her i don't know how he would have done it but like somehow did something or maybe like tried to reach out but couldn't reach her or something i don't know (laughs) but shoma was just late he just didn't he just didn't get there in time that's fine whatever um yeah and then does this episode end with them kind of like huddled on the top of the skyscraper like kamba passes out Amari's passed out i think they're taking the elevator down okay um when they're all they're huddling because like Kamba's or Shoma's got to get Himari back to the hospital before midnight because of something Sanatoshi said to Kamba, and then Kamba's also injured, so he's got to get Kamba to the hospital to like uh, address his hand. Um, I like that. I like that scene a lot. Mm. That's something which, incidentally, it's a nice quiet moment of like fam- familial drama. It went and that part actually worked. Good job. Um, should stick to that. Uh, but I do like that the uh rabbit twins are like discussing the fact that Himari had snuck out and they're not just like oh there's gonna be like you know this is gonna be bad for her they literally say something like this calls for divine retribution or something like that like oh she's a naughty girl this calls for divine retribution it's like okay that's a good way of characterizing these little bunnies like good for them like little little gremlins yeah um i have one more thing and well two more things one quick thing and then one real thing uh the real thing is is uh i i mean i hate to have seen whatever she was gonna do but i i like that line that tabaki has to to yuri at the end of the episode where yuri i think is basically like you you took this too far you were really gonna hurt that girl um 
and then Tabaki like uh, like retorts with like, "Well, what the fuck were you gonna do with those two anyway? If I hadn't have interrupted your plan, <laughs> like mm-hmm. you know, like your intentions aren't aren't that saintly either." Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> see what you did two episodes ago. Which is great, considering that he did not know specifically what she had done. He just sure. knew she was going to do something yeah. fucked. <laughs> yeah. And then my, my not-so-serious thing, but uh, this was <laughs> in writing my notes, like, okay, I have to write one genuinely nice, I really mean it thing about the show, is that the music is really good. Both the score and the um, opening and ending. Uh, some of the emotional moments in this episode in particular, I thought, like, um, some of the ones that I liked and both ones I didn't like at least were made better by how strong the score is. Mm. Um, I don't know who did it off the top of my head. I'll look that up for next time. But I, it Do we also want like, to, like, discuss how there's, like, three different ending songs in this batch? Oh, yeah. It... All with the same, like, animation, just with a different background color, but, like, yeah, there's, like, three different ending songs. Which is batch. surprising, like, if you think about, like, the first half or so of this series, it's think all the same OPED and then suddenly yeah. it's like I think the OP stays the same for, for this batch. Um or or it changes but like it's consistent. But then the E D, yeah, just boom 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 like completely changes every time or you know, every other time, whatever. Interesting way of doing it. Yeah, the the entire like I looked ahead, uh the entire second half of the show, all or almost all of the endings are like these uh songs, like these triple H songs. Well, yeah, and the uh, the absolutely not torrented thing that I'm watching, the legally acquired <laughs> material, oh, yeah. it's very interesting because it's it was 24 episodes, and then I think eight additional files, and I think those eight were yeah, like the OPEDs. Yeah, they're the no credit uh, endings and, and openings. There's eight no credit endings, so eight different endings, and then two different openings. Which shout out to uh, whatever animation uh, distributor included those in the special features which i legally own (laughs) tm there's also one more quick thing there's also a good uh little sight gag of the piano during one of the flashbacks uh where the logo of the piano would be is brains base which is the animation studio that produced penguin drum oh small little gag i'll say this uh (laughs) the production's still good still produced really well yeah yeah, like all like all the storyboarding is really good. I think at this point in the show, every episode is uh, at least like co-storyboarded by Ikuhara. Um, like at, at this point, he's like firmly all over the show visually. And I think like you know if, uh, from what I've seen of Ikuhara's stuff, there's stuff I like better in terms of like narrative stuff. But like his strength as a creator really does like rely on his like strength at like um, uh, moving images. <laughs> you know, like he's good at that. Um, you know, most of the problems I have with the show are in the the story and the theming and the characters but like um you know like it is a very well produced show especially for the time um and it holds up to all right um that feels like a good place to end it we'll have much more to say next time when we wrap up on the show and you can com- complete the circle uh let's uh take a moment to to check in what other anime we've watching what anime uh hopefully we've been enjoying a little bit more i guess um <laughs> danny do you want to go first sure um Gotta search my mind banks. Um, I don't think I've been watching anime, but stuff I've been uh, consuming is is proximal, I guess. Um, I watched all of the ingenuity of the house husband, which is like a Netflix. I, I don't know if they commissioned it or if it just exi- if they're just distributing it or or whatever. But it's uh, Kenjira Suda doing household chores and 
it is Kajira Suda prepare like doing household chores while preparing for the role of uh the immortal drag I can't remember his name. The immortal dragon the main character of Way of the Owl's oh, Husband. Tatsu. Tatsu. I was gonna say Suda. I was like, that's a weird coincidence, but I knew that was wrong. Uh but yeah, Tatsu. Which is very very cute in one of the later episodes. He's like, Oh, I, I gotta prepare for for this recording but i want to take apart all the stuff in my house to like clean the the dirt out of it in the last i think it's the last episode of it and each episode's like five minutes the last episode he makes like this really healthy nice dinner whatever to treat himself and then he remembers that he has like a rap party like for finishing the uh the recording you know to celebrate the release <laughs> of the anime or whatever um so that was very cute like just a little interesting uh and you learn some interesting things from it like apparently in japan the the way they sort like i don't know if they have to sort them this way or or if they're just being like this is how you should if you're a good citizen but it's like combustible material non-combustible material recyclable so on and so forth it's like oh it's it's cute yeah i think that's like a, a nationalized thing there yeah so it's very interesting um then on that same vein i got the volume six of way of the house husband manga uh delivered the other day and read through that instantly as always a banger i'm getting volume seven two weeks from now i think amazon's shipping it it's like january mid-january kind of thing did that just come out i mean so the because i know i'm I, I know i'm behind on on volumes um and in my mind i'm like okay six is like the uh, what i need up to seven I was a pre-order but yeah okay yeah it looks like seven just came out yeah uh or it says the date is the 18th is what the right stuff but. yeah i see i couldn't tell you what like if it came out in japan earlier or if it's like just the english release but yeah the thing i ordered oh is, it's definitely already out in japan yeah, yeah 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 but like the english is a I pre- i pre-ordered it so when i say it's being delivered in two weeks because it's, it's not out yet um so i'm very excited to get that um I'll be up to date on that. It's one of those things that, you know, I, I support it. You know, I, I, I want to not just kind of read it off an illegal site. I want to actually support the uh, the author however I could. And uh, having done some side-by-sides, the official translation is better than some of the scanlations that are out there for that series in particular. Mm. I feel like a, a comedy series like that, the comedy really lives or dies by how it's um, localized, and they do a really good job in that mm. um, uh, official translation. Yeah, it really makes me want to be a house husband. Um, and just I just want Tatsu to be my house husband, but I also <laughs> don't want to have to work. Mm. There you go. <laughs> um, other than that, though, uh, so we yeah, obviously took some time off because of the holidays. You know, this is coming... I, mean, I guess our last episode was delayed, so this one's not delayed, but whatever. Well, this one will be three weeks after the last one, so okay. there'll be a delay between episodes. Okay, so whatever. You're hearing this when you're hearing this. So we had the holidays, and then we had a snowstorm where I'm at. So <laughs> when I say snowstorm, we got like three inches of snow, and, and my power company was like, all right, I guess the whole fucking grid's destroyed. Uh, so I didn't have power for four days, uh, which was great because it was like sub-zero or sub-freezing most of the time. Uh, a plus to uh, my power company. So as a result, I haven't been doing much recently, but I did just recently finish replaying through Death Stranding, this time through the director's cut on very hard mode. I only brought it down to very easy during some of the Maz Mikkelsen fights because I didn't want to I didn't want to do them on hard mode. And it's it's a it's a fucking masterpiece. 10 out of 10. Everyone should play it if you like very kind of slow burn games, very like just kind of vibe 
kind of things. It's not for everyone, and that's totally fine. I think a lot of the discussion around it came down to if you like it, you're a snobby intellectual. If you don't like it, you're just like a Marvel fanboy. And I think that's, you know, full of shit, but like, you know, it's not for everyone. It's a different kind of game, you know. I guess instead of Marvel fanboy, I think the, the framing was more like if you like it, or if you don't like it, you're a Call of Duty gamer. If you like it, you're a only indie snob or whatever the fuck. But like, it's a good game. Uh, emotionally impactful when it needs to be. Yeah, there are some goofy things about it. The director's cut keeps in You're Mario and I'm Princess Beach. Uh, though I feel like it trimmed it a little bit. I feel like I remember the first time it took... It, it lingered on that frolicking scene for a long time. Uh, I think they trimmed it down a little bit. But um, still a, an absolute banger. I did just... Like, just today, I think, maybe a little bit after this recording, I'll do a little more in it, but I think I've reached the point where I'm ready to delete it which is the ultimate honor a game can receive from me uh, if I've completed it. And I, completion <laughs> plus deletion, ultimate honor. Uh, if I delete it beforehand, then, I, then it's a, uh, the worst. But <laughs> a la uh, Crash 4. Because uh, I, tip- I typically see a game through to the end, even if I don't like it all that much. Uh, so for me to delete it before that is... Uh, yeah, no, Crash, Crash 4 is going to give me a fucking aneurysm. Um <laughs> Just delete it. Free yourself. I did. No, I. Oh, I did. I'm fucking free from that. I wish I could oh. get a refund. <laughs> um, wish you could delete it again. <laughs> I'm gonna re-download it and delete. It. It's like that 4chan post about like pirating oh, yeah. a oh, game God. and then doing it multiple times to make this new test. Piracy is a victimless yeah. crime. Yeah. No one loses 600 million dollars. It's just money they didn't quite make, and like that's it's not stealing. Anyway. Um, All right. Yeah, before before we get too off. <laughs> yeah, I want to finish this up so I can go get fucking Taco Hell, Bell yeah. before Hell, I have to go. Yes. Hell yeah, Queen. <laughs> well, speaking of Danielle, what anime have you been watching? All right, so I finished up the second season of Love Live. Love love all the girls. They're all great, and all of them are dating at least one of the other ones. And <laughs> have also started um, watching Cory Mia with both my girlfriends. Oh, and yeah. yeah, it's a good time. I. I yeah, no, I love all the characters in that. It's produced really well. Good show. I'm surprised I didn't watch it when it was airing, because I've read all of the manga. And for non-anime, I have been um, playing more fucking Final Fantasy XIV, especially now that uh, the raids are out. Is that a separate release? I assume that's what all the, the nonsense I've seen on my timeline about P1S or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, Penis? yeah, those are the oh, the harder fights that like require like just a lot of time to put into like do them correctly require more effort and time than i ever want to put into anything in my life but god bless the brave soldiers <laughs> out there doing the thing thank you for for your support i am literally braver yes. than the marines Fi- final fantasy 14 raiders uh i don't understand them but they are braver than the troops i do understand the that. doing the pen 15 raid <laughs> might as well uh, <laughs> is that a separate release from like the main thing by the way like they released the raids later i didn't know that so when the expansion first comes out, like expansion releases two weeks later is the normal version of the raids, which you just play through for the mm. story. Um, and then two weeks after that is the Savage Raids, which has the current best gear and like the hard fights that some people like me <laughs> enjoy. Or as the French would say, Savage. Whatever. I, I play a fucking buddy girl in a maid outfit with a scythe. It's, uh-huh. it's a fun game. <laughs> I know what I'm about. That's true. L- live your truth. I have been uh mostly watching more of the same mecha anime still watching voltes 5 which still rips 70s super robot 
stuff just rolls. And um, watching, I uh, watched a lot more Gundam Seed since the last time we recorded to the point that like plot is actually happening in that show, but also like still not really. <laughs> it's like very wheel spinny um, at times, but uh, I'm enjoying it. It's 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 good. Uh, think again, things are happening. More characters are being introduced, so I'm here for it. Although, um, man, uh, does it have some of the, the worst um, uh, writing of uh, female characters of a Gundam show? <laughs> Which is saying something for a Gundam show. <laughs> That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got, a, I got a shout out Jackson on the most recent uh, Great Gundam project for being like, you know, like something traumatic happens to uh, one of the girls in the show. Uh, Jackson going like, I sure hope she doesn't uh, go full Joker mode next episode. And then the other two people that were on that episode, uh, M, and, M and their guest, were like, Jackson, did you watch the next time on where we see that absolutely she's going to go Joker mode in the next episode? Uh, it was very funny to listen to uh, and hard, uh, painful to watch at the show, but th- there's some good stuff. I'm, I'm having a good time with it, even if I don't think it's, it's great. Uh, and then beyond that, I've decided that 2022 is the year of Lupin the Third, so I am, I am watching and uh, or planning on watching and re-watching Lupin stuff throughout the year. I've watched... Um, I watched Bye Bye Liberty, which is the first of the many television specials. I think they've literally been a yearly thing since Bye Bye Lady Liberty, which was 89, so there's like over 20 of them now. Um, But the very first one, it's very good. I forget the anime director's name, but he's like done a lot of really good good stuff in the 80s and 90s, and um, like very fun, like real, real good takes on all the characters and like real expressive animation and the plot is very fun they steal the statue of liberty um it's like david <laughs> copperfield of, uh, yeah there's a bunch of computer uh nonsense because it's 89 and computers are starting to become more of a thing um it's a it's a fun time and then uh actually just last night i watched um return of Pykel, which is the second lupon ova um and is notable for um being the f- first not the first lupon thing to utilize cg but to use utilize cg like throughout um so there's a lot of scenes uh that have poorly aged 2000 cg and also the plot is very convoluted um uh and um uh you might say poorly written but i had a really fun time with it i uh looked at letterbox reviews of all things for it and a lot of people were giving it like a half a star and being like it's the worst loop on anything the cg's so bad and my review is just like three stars the cg's good actually or the bad cg is good actually <laughs> uh which i stand by um so uh look out for me talking about loop on more over the rest of the year i will say of all of the tweets i see of of fan art from whatever fucking show or blah 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 um nothing has made me want to watch a show more than you just posting screen caps from lupin uh-huh. it looks so fucking it's fun it's like it looks i don't know if it's true it looks like the equivalent of like batman 66 like that kind of not taking itself too seriously yes the samurai guy can cut a huge fucking fish in three parts or whatever the fuck lupin's wearing a clown makeup now love it to death like it it makes me want to watch the show it's good i mean the thing with lupon is because it's been going on for 50 years like the the tone will vary depending on like what you're watching like sometimes it does go real hard in the slapstick sometimes it's a bit more serious more like mystery intrigue you've got like castle of cagliostro which is miyazaki bringing his brand of storytelling to Lupin, which i don't hate but it's 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 definitely a different uh take on Lupin than like the TV series was at the time, um, and stuff like that. I definitely uh, forgot something. Um, 
continuing Ghibli Watch. I've oh, been yeah. very slow about doing that since the uh, 14 release, since my girlfriend and I play that probably a little bit too much. But uh, we watched um, From Up on Poppy Hill, which is standard Ghibli, excellent production, subpar s- mm. script. Just very generic. Dang. Classic. Whatever. Though honestly, it's I've seen a lot worse than generic <laughs> for Ghibli. Um, all right, well, uh, probably it for us. I'm very tired. Um, <laughs> it's only six o'clock. It feels so much later. Dang. Uh, anyway, um, uh, I've been your host, Austin. You can find me on Twitter at chai underscore squared, uh, tweeting out those Lupin screenshots. Uh, Danny, where can people find you? You can find me at cover me and sauce on Twitter, tweeting a mixture of dog photos that I've been walking because I volunteer at a shelter and just like things that come to me in the shower. I'm trying to think of the last thing I tweeted and it was something stupid, I'm sure. But it just, you know, I'll say this. It's it's not bad tweets. Like <laughs> I'm not saying they're funny, but they're not like bad. I don't know. <laughs> what you're saying is come for the dog pics, stay for whatever else is on there. <laughs> come for, um, I found a picture of like a dog getting scratched in the head and then I, Oh, doing no. the, I called it the dog Ahigao, and I found a photo of a cat doing a cat Ahigao, and I was like, oh, it's the cat, the domesticated animal Ahigao. Ah, so um, uh, Danielle, where can you <laughs> <laughs> Right, I'm at Lesbunny on Twitter with one N, uh, retweeting pictures of Raisin Toho with pancakes on her head. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's good. Oh, my, <laughs> my last tweet was about Skimble Shanks the Railway Cat. About how that motherfucker said <laughs> on said, brand. Uh, Skimble won't let anything go wrong and then nothing to prevent the COVID nineteen pandemic. <laughs> Smug lying ass. It's good to know we're all tweeting tweeting on brand at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh anyway, this has been under the Kotatsu, mostly an anime podcast. Um uh I don't think we got any questions this time, but you can send them to uh under the kotatsu.anime at gmail.com or DM DM us on Twitter. Next week will be or not next week, next episode we'll be finishing up um our discussion on penguin drum so send in your questions about that or anything else um that you want to talk about or have us talk about um and the next time we'll we'll let you know what uh we're doing for our bonus episode since we'll be in between rounds of picking but stay tuned for that next time i think we could use a break (laughs) yeah we could we could use a break from the show (laughs) but we're finishing it up next time so so tune in for that and uh danielle why don't you take us out of here be crimes, do gay. Um, hey, if you're writing a serious show, you don't need to give every single character five different fucking kinds of trauma. Like, do one, analyze that. You can make a good show like that. Kuroi <laughs> yokan 